Tonight's episode of the Tuesday Night Cigar Club is brought to you by Drew Estate. Come experience the rebirth of cigars at www.drewestate.com and download the free Drew Diplomat smartphone app today to discover nearby retailers, RSVP to special events, redeem points to win exclusive Drew Estate merchandise, and much, much more. Brothers and sisters of the leaf, coming to you live once again from the corner of no hope. It's the Tuesday Night Cigar Club podcast. Tonight, the gang chats with cigar industry legend Steve Saka as they smoke his creamy new creation, the Sin Compromiso, paired with pint after pint of Bira Moretti Pale Lager. And as always, there's a movie up for discussion as well, so the crew will be talking their way through the 2018 John Travolta gangster flick, Gotti. Oh boy. John Travolta playing the Teflon Don, directed by one of those numbnuts from the show Entourage. Looks like I might be needing a few pints of Italian beer myself. And maybe some shots of Italian whiskey. And maybe, well, let's just hope for the best, shall we? So sit back, folks, light them up, and enjoy the show. So, uh, how was the trip up north? I saw on uh, Facebook you visited the family or something? I just got back uh, from Ohio. Was up there for about 36 hours. Flew out Friday and came back late Sunday night. Yeah. Um, yeah, I hadn't seen a lot of my family up there in a while, and just decided, fuck it, let's go up there and give some hugs and some pre-Christmas, uh, bring some pre-Christmas Cade cheer to, cool. to the family. Uh, it was weird though. Right when I got off the plane, uh, I was talking to my cousin, and she's got a, a teenage son. She's kind of stressing out. She uh, had just found some magazines. In his, be- yeah. in his bedroom, <laughs> and uh, all right, the, you know, um, she was kind of unsure how to deal with it. It was a little bit weirder too, because they weren't the usual stuff like we had under. Oh God, there's some like S and M and some some uh, oh kids today kind of bondage <laughs> type uh, what, stuff. What, which labels? Uh, I didn't. I didn't actually ask into the more specifics. Oh, oh. But, I, just, uh, I, I just wanted to. Yeah, but she had, she did ask me what you know. What do you think I should? What do you think I should do? And I was like, I don't know, but you you probably shouldn't spank him. <laughs> oh man, that's bad. That is what you get. That is what you get. Thirty six hours with my uncle Bill. That is an Uncle Bill joke. I've got a million of them. Uh, God, I'm so sorry. 
Welcome uh, <laughs> Uncle Bill sounds pretty damn cool. Uncle Bill's a great guy. Uh, welcome everybody to the Tuesday Night Cigar Club episode 85. 85? We're officially as old as Carol Burnett now. Is that how that works? I, yes. Sure. Man, we've been doing this for a while, huh? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we have. What's that over there? What's what? What, what are you drinking out of? What? Oh, this? Why don't we have them? Uh, oh. f- funny you should ask, Yak Boy. For the uh, last few hours, I've been sipping on some pregame red wine in this simply stemless, personalized wine cup from our friends over at BridesmaidGiftsBoutique.com. Tut, you got jingle ready? Oh, man, I totally flubbed the jingle. Uh, I think it was something like, BridesmaidsGifts.com. Boutique.com. No? BridesmaidsGifts. I fucked up Boutique.com. Yeah, I'll go with it. Uh, knowing that the Tuesday Night Cigar Club is the number one podcast chosen by young brides to be what they listen to while preparing for the most special day of their lives. That's true. Bridesmaids Gifts Boutique sent us one of these nifty wine cups to help get the uh, word out there. The vacuum insulated uh, technology will keep wine the perfect kind of cold while sitting out the pool on a hot summer day, or it'll keep coffee hot for up to three hours. The Simply Stemless Wine Cup can hold up to 12 ounces. That's two whole standard glasses of wine, according to Bridesmaid Kiss Boutique. I'm not sure where they get that measurement. I believe a standard glass of wine is 24 ounces. Am I right? It's, it's a bottle. Okay. What do, I, what do I know? I only host a highly popular drinking podcast. Well, you just drink it out of the bottle. Uh, you shut up. BPA-free, sweat-free... Unlike you, Yak Boy. No. Uh, but the cup itself is not free, as it'll run you around twenty one ninety nine, and that's with the personalized text added to it. Oh, that's on not YouTube, too bad. you could see uh, we got TNCC uh, and personalized on there. Available in five exciting titillating colors. Yaks, did I use that term right? Titillating. Head over to www.bridesmaidgiftsboutique.com right now. And help your favorite group of gals get their drink on in style. Bridesmaidsgiftsboutique.com And after the gals are nice and liquored up at the bachelor party, have them give our man, man Cody a call. He's single and ready to mingle. And I believe he owns his own fireman costume. So let's take those bachelor parties up a notch, huh? Are you oh, game? Sure, why not? Now you're talking. <laughs> Uh, that is www.bridesmaidsgiftsboutique.com. Bridesmaidsgiftsboutique.com. Well, let me take a little sip of my wine out of my nifty stemless sipper. I got an aunt that that's perfect for, by the way. Uh, she loves some wine, loves some outdoors. That's going to work. Uh, well, I like wine. So, there we go. Speaking of guys like myself who could easily make a killing as a male stripper on the weekends, I'd like to introduce you now to our very special guest... Who's here, oh. to in, who's here to introduce tonight's very special cigar? Should I get the male stripper music going? Uh, we'll put it in post. Okay. All right. Uh, we last had him on the show, man, get this, guys, December 2015, our first year. Wow. Uh, way back on episode 23, when his company Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust was just coming out of the gates. Uh, we both started... Well, I mean, obviously he was in the industry way before <laughs> us. We're just like him. We're just like him. Uh, and what a ride the last three years or so have been for Dunbarton. Uh, boys, please join me in welcoming the one, the only, the titillating Mr. Steve Saka to the corner of No Hope. Thanks for being here, Steve. Oh, wait, can you get down the camera? <laughs> hey, how you guys doing? First off, you're wrong. I've been on this show before. It is twice. Since 2015. Have you? 
I think twice and a Vegas interview. I remember we did that. Well, that first one was a two-hour epic interview uh, that we did that first show. I think you guys have suckered me into this at least once a year. Yeah, I think I'm so. Pretty I, sure, I, I think so. It's like every Christmas we bring Steve. Well, on. We it's do, like soccer claw. We always do uh, soccer claw. Our Christmas is always very soccer centric. Uh, uh, even hung, a ho ho paper for you. It's beautiful. I, lo- I, I love the background. Um, well, you have to excuse me for uh, for not doing my. I, we drink a lot, Steve. Uh, but we do it in style in our simply stemless, uh, whatever it's called. Bridesmaidsgiftsboutique.com. Uh, um, but I guess the last time we saw you was back in Vegas at the trade show. Um, That's true. He's actually the first guy we saw when we walked in the convention. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's we're such oddballs in the industry. It's like either people get a kick out of us, or they dig us, or they just kind of run away from like, us. Please and, go. And uh, Steve has always been nice enough to acknowledge us in public. So that that means that always means a lot to us. Let me ask you something about Vegas before we get started. You know when your mom used to tell you not to pick on the retarded kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Church. Yeah. I remember. Yeah, sure. yeah, I remember. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> I think I know where you're going with Steve. We'll we'll try to be nicer to the other podcasters at the at the trade show next year. Uh, Cody, uh, let me real quick before we get started about the trade show. We talked to you on the last day of the show. Uh, you clearly, you know, have been hustling and selling and 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 promoting Dunbarton for four days straight at that point, nonstop. Do you like that opportunity to talk to cigar media during the show, or would you rather use every ounce of energy you do to sell? And you know what? We you can do stuff like this later. Um, actually, I don't sell anything at the trade show. I actually spend all my time just telling bullshit stories to guys like you. Oh, well, yeah. Seriously, I I don't think at the I don't think at the last two trade shows. I've written a single order. So I actually spend most of my time either speaking to bloggers or news guys or um, or to customers, you know, but uh, I actually don't actually do any selling at all. Okay. Well, like, that kind of blows my mind. So that's just four days of straight-up uh, engagement. Talking, yeah, just talking of engagement, talking... You know, customers telling them, you know, asking them how things are going, what can we do better, what sucks, what's right, what do you think of the new products, what do you think of last year's products, you know, how's your wife doing, what's up with the dog that was vomiting in the car all the time, just just general, just, I just, I just, <coughs> excuse me, don't do any sales. Um, so, uh, the rest of the team does that, and, uh, yeah. Okay, so sales sales are going on. You just leave that to the rest of the team. Yeah, I just don't get involved. And they <laughs> probably, thankfully, thank you for not having to talk to us. Um, no, it's not that. It's just I don't. I actually don't enjoy sales. Yeah, just not a cup of tea. Sure. Um, okay. Well, I appreciate you taking a few minutes to talk to us. We we were pretty much dead on our feet at that point, and um, it it, it was just interesting. I mean. You got the guys that just clearly, you know, come sit down, love talking about it, and then 
you know, we talked to some other guys there that last day that was just... What are you doing here? It was clearly the last... I don't know if it was us. I don't know, you know, if we were... Maybe had a different name on our on our badge if, if they would have maybe but treated us a little everyone bit different. At the trade show, everyone at the trade show always tells you they had the best year ever. But this is just <laughs> an outright lie. So for a lot of guys, I mean, when you get to by the, the beginning of day three, the cake is already kind of baked. So, I mean, kind of their mood on day four is a reflection of how the first days went for the most part. I mean, look, it's, you know, as the attendance at the trade show continues to drop, it only makes sense that the overall amount of sales you can potentially do drops. And, you know, if you're a small company and you're growing and you're booming, then you still have a lot of new customers out there to still yet get. But when you're an established company, I mean, uh, who who hasn't seen... You know, Fuente, Davidoff, La Florida Medicana, Kristoff, La, I mean, La Polina. La Polina's been around for 10 plus years, right? So, I mean, everybody that wants to buy cigars has an opportunity. They all know who La Polina is. They've seen everything. So, um, yeah. So, as attendance continues to kind of stay a little soft, I think you're going to find that uh, for, for a lot of people, uh, they're gonna be pretty. They're gonna be pretty worn out. And look, you're tied on day four, even if you're really successful. Yeah. yeah. But uh, there, there's no doubt that you get some creep of the mood. Plus, you're in Vegas, so you just you're beat no matter what. Yeah, it is sensory overload. All right. Well, I won't take it so personally. I was kind of like, fuck that guy. But no, I kind of still do. I mean, because like oh, you know, Sokka really Sokka was Steve, tired on Steve day Sokka four, and Daniel and Marshall. Like, Steve Sokka and Daniel Marshall like us. That's all we need. Okay. <laughs> all right. You get all the gold wrap cigars you want in the world, man. I uh, we we love talking to Daniel. We 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 usually end up just well, and he, he gives us free whiskey too. Yeah, which is that that nice. that was a bad idea on his part. Uh, well, Steve, we talked to you. I didn't know Daniel had handlers until that point, and then about you know fifteen minutes later, they we're being ushered away. Yeah, that's well, the, that's how it usually goes. Uh, like I said, that first interview, we talked for over two hours. We kind of took our listeners. Because we got a lot, you know, film people, beer crowd. I kind of wanted to introduce them to you from the from the Drew Estate days on forward. So we're gonna, we're, I promise, uh, we're, we're going to go easy on you tonight. Um, in general, how are things in your universe? In your universe, as a super small family company in a billion dollar industry, do you feel like you've exceeded where you thought you'd be at this stage of the game a few years in? Are you right on target? I think I can safely say you're clearly, you know, not behind schedule. Uh, where are you at? How are you feeling? Um, no, it sucks. I mean, I don't know, man. I'm never happy with anything. You know, you know, you have they always say there's those people at the glasses half full, and the other people are glasses half empty. Mm-hmm. I'm always glasses half empty, and there's a hole in the bottom of it. Yeah, I can it's just the way I am by nature. So I'm never satisfied with anything. Um, look, we're we're doing really well. Brands are really growing. We still, you know, more accounts. Sales are up. Every by all the basic metric, things are good. Um, you know, do I think they could be better? Yeah, I think they could be better. Um, but a lot of that has to do with our end of things. You know, we just uh, we're, we're, we've been a little overwhelmed this year. I mean, we've just uh, we, this this year the tail has wagged the dog more than any previous year. And, uh, I mean, it's like just today, I learned that we're 
out of Toros and Robustos in two of the core lines and Robustos in the other core line. It's like, really? How do you run out of Robustos? It's like the most common yeah. cigar on the planet. You know what I mean? And, uh, and it's just no matter what I seem to do, I can't ever seem to get the numbers right production-wise. I'm always either completely overestimating or underestimating. And, uh, and I don't like being in a backorder situation. I know most guys in our business, like, like to, they like to brag about their backorders. Backorders just mean you're not selling cigars. That's what it means. It means they're not on the shelf. It means consumers can't buy them. They can't enjoy them. So I, I don't actually like to leave retailers without what they have customers to purchase. I like to be much more steady state than that. And you know, and if your brand is getting built out of its lack of availability, well, eventually you're going to catch up and that lack of availability uh, shine is going to go off the product. It's just so, you know, it's, it's going to be frustrating. Yeah, it's just I don't I don't think that it, what ends up happening when you're in a real serious back order situation what the retailers do is they just grossly overorder with the idea that, okay, the more I order, the more likely I'm to get some. And then eventually when you catch up, they just start waving off the back orders. Or they take the back orders, but then they don't buy anything from you for eight months because they just got a whole boatload of cigars that they really didn't need eight months worth. But because you're so perpetually behind, they just keep ordering so you, you can't treat back orders like they're sales. They're not. You know what right. I mean? Is it an indication that there's a want, a desire for the product? Absolutely. But you can't take it and say, okay, I've got a million and a half dollars on back orders, so I have a million and a half dollars that when I land in the country, I'm going to be able to collect because it just doesn't work that way. Sure. Yeah, anybody who's run a business, if you tell them, oh, yeah, I've got X amount in receivables. Well, you don't have X amount. You have a, like a number on a piece of paper. That's it. Yeah. And the last thing you want to, as a new brand is to get someone to go into a shop, buy a cigar, love it, you know, go back and they can't get their hands on it again. Uh, real quick, what is your biggest surprise three years in now um, as far as – I mean, this might, it might be too soon for this question. I don't know. It just kind of popped into my head. I, I'm, always, I'm always surprised when people ask me what my favorite – Dunbarton cigar is at this point. I'm always shocked that I don't say the Micarita because when we had John, I mean that was kind of the big expecting, you know, the Broadleaf. What's Saka going to do in Broadleaf? And mm-hmm. you know, I I go Naka Tamale number one, and I go the Sober Mesa, Elegante and Cedros number two. Like uh, I think Micarita is a little bit. I would never have thought that it would be that further down the list, but I'm just so enamored with that Naka Tamale. And that that third uh, the line of the Sober, yeah, Sober Mesa. But Mikirita, look, Mikirita is very good. But Mikirita isn't reinventing the wheel either. Mikirita is the same genre of daily smoke that I've been smoking for 30 plus years. So it's really a recreation of that same style that everybody was smoking in Liga Provada in the Broadleaf version. And Liga Provada wasn't something brand new. It was just a better iteration with better tobacco and better construction of cigars that Frankie Anesa and Estella Padron used to make in the 70s and 80s out of the Villazon factory. So it isn't something that you haven't experienced before. You know what I mean? Where, um, you know, it's a very, very good cigar. I love it. If I had to just choose one of my cigars to smoke, 
all the time. Mm. That would one I choose. Is it my most complex blend? Is it my most intricate blend? Is it the one that has the most intriguing tobaccos in it? No, but it's the one that just suits my personal daily. I smoke it in the wind. I can smoke it while I'm boating. I can smoke it, you know, while I'm drinking bourbon. It it's, just fits all my personal. If I had to limit it to one, but no, it's certainly. Uh, I don't think it's. Uh, I don't think it's the one that for someone that's experienced a lot of cigars is going to be the one that jumps out at them. But at the same time, I think that uh, probably next year, Miki Rita will probably be the number one seller in the portfolio. I mean, it's still Silver Mesa, but the sales on Miki Rita, the turns on it are escalating faster on the Miki Rita genre than the other ones. I don't know where Sin Copper Miso is going to fit into this yet. But, uh, and the other thing, too, is all my cigars are so distinctly different yeah. that... It just depends on what you like and you dislike as to which would be your favorite. Because there's not any really measurable quality difference between any of the cigars. They're all of exceptional quality with the exception of Umbagog. The quality on Umbagog is a notch lower than the other ones. It's still very good, but it's not the same. That's why I got that as a gift. I'm laughing, Steve, because we opened our Tuesday Night Cigar Club Christmas presents earlier, and I I got Tud a bundle of Umbagog. Umbagog. Yeah. It's uh, a the quality. Uh, look, some people like Umagog better than me, Kirita. Uh, actually, I, those I, wrappers have more flavor. I than love me, Aesthetically pleasing. So, but I'm saying if I'm just judging it, if I'm looking at it from a sheer quality point of view, the quality of the materials in Umagog are a step lower right. than the others. Still, way better than almost anything you're going to get in that price point. Right. But on all the others, it's really just a matter of if you like that kind of nicotine hit that Totos Las Dias gives you, then you're probably like Totos Las Dias the best. And even in Sober Mesa, you can't even agree on that. Some guys love the, the smooth elegance of the Cervante Fino, and other guys prefer the zippiness that comes in a short Churchill. So, uh, and that's one of the things that I find very personally rewarding is that normally when you have a maker or a brand, it almost seems to be universally the case where everybody universally agrees that this is the one or two best cigars they make. In my case, that's not at all. Yeah. I mean, I mean, people swear Unicorn's the best cigar I make. People swear Nakatomali is the best cigar I make. Everybody swears that every cigar, even Umbagog, I see it all the time in social media, that it's their favorite Saka cigar, Umbagog. So it really, and, that's, and I like that because it means I'm appealing to a lot of different palettes and not to just the same guy over and over and over again. I like it because uh, there's, as I have become a little bit more mature in my in my palate, I, I, I find that my tastes shift to where, you know, the same cigar that I have on one day might not really fit me two days from now. Right. And uh, that's one thing that I like about Mi Carita is that it's, it's, you're right, it's not something that you've never tasted before it's a great example of a classic beer it's kind of like sometimes in the world of craft beers you have all these experimental beers going on out there that are really really good but damn it sometimes i just want that great freaking german lager and i i desire that taste so bad and to me that's why i said it would be the one i choose it's just a day in day out steady performance yeah i've been smoking that same profile for three decades it's the only thing that I have smoked consistently and liked for three decades. I, I don't have a single other style of blend 
You know, I go through my phases where I'm in the super pepper bombs. I go through my phases where right. I'm in the little sweet florals and the and the lighter stuff. And I mean, I've come in and out of all these phases over the years, and that's the only one that I always regress back to, and I'm happy. Well, I know Dunbarton offerings have made the top five in every one of our best of lists going back to 2015. Number one, at least three of those, I think. I think Mi Carita was number one, the original Sober Mesa. I think the El Americano was number one. Uh, I think Naka Tamale was number two last number two. year. Screwed me last year. Yeah, it screwed you. That Rose of Sharon, uh, <laughs> I, I, man. Uh, but, you, but you put three of my cigars in the top ten last year. Actually, I think so. I think so. Yeah, um, a lot. The the Total Dias was up there, um, and I think the Short Churchill, which we're smoking uh, during the interview here, the Sober Mesa Short Churchill made the list last year. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we've been doing this long enough, it, not just the podcast, but smoking long enough, where you realize cigar blenders that you are probably going to like their stuff because if they're liking it, you find, you find guys whose palates are similar to yours as far as, you know, um, and you, you, you've hit a bunch of home runs for us. But I want to ask you a little bit about these best of lists uh, and why they're so hotly debated. It seems like some manufacturers put a lot of stock in the reviews from bloggers and industry juggernauts such as ourselves. Uh, and others, at least publicly, kind of laugh off uh, review sites and whatnot, and what we provide to the industry, or what they, you know, really don't get what we provide to the industry. You know, everyone laughs at you know notes of burnt pizza crust until that site gives you a cigar at ninety three, and then all of a sudden, they're oh my le- god, these are these they're legit. You know, their uh, palate is awesome. It, it's it's such a weird kind of thing out there right now. It's fucking crazy. In, but I've read a lot of your early, like you used to, at least a couple of years ago, you showed us some of like what you, when you review a cigar, your manifesto, your crazy, beautiful mind notes. And I mean, do you, what, what's your take on internet review, you know, guys like us or guys, you know, uh, like Half Wheel or Cigar Coop, you know, I, I put those on a completely different kind of level than us. Legit level. Well, no. I mean, I, I just think, you know, whereas maybe their education in tobacco and, you know, can can, can certainly supersede ours. I mean, what, what we do is basically, hey, come join us for three hours. We're going to smoke a cigar and we're going to tell you what we're getting out of it. We're, we're not going to be able to tell you what, you know, volcanic soil led to this you know, Lajero tasting like it does or whatnot, but we're going to tell you if we think we like it and we want you to try it. I mean, we're more for entertainment purposes rather than educational purposes where I would kind of put them, but, you know, what in your mind makes for a credible review? How do you, where do you stand on stuff, uh, uh, you know, on people like us and people uh, and sites like Half Wheel and ultimately my final question why the fuck doesn't Cigar Aficionado review your cigars? All right, let's take these first off. Yeah, I should have saved Look, that one till after. All, all reviews are equal because they're just essentially every review by every person is a matter of a personal opinion. So ultimately, one review in a vacuum doesn't really provide an accurate picture for a consumer. 
you know, but when you start to see multiple reviews that you have a wide variety of people saying they're finding favor or disfavor with something, then that kind of provides weight to it. And essentially, because there are so many reviewers, it's very easy for the consumer today, if they want to make the effort, to kind of zero in on what are the ones I are more likely to prefer and the ones that I'm less likely to prefer. The second thing for me that's really important when I, when I see the reviews is I like to see some sort of level of consistency in the way they rate them. In other words, if I know that reviewer A just doesn't like strong cigars, well, then I expect them to just not like strong cigars all the time. You know what I mean? And that way I can kind of say, okay, I know that so-and-so doesn't like this style of cigar, but I know I like the style of cigar, and I know this reviewer likes that cigar, and I don't like the cigar he typically likes. So if he doesn't like it, that's a reason for me to try it. You know what I mean? Right. So, so if you're consistent with your, your per, applying your personal standards, then it ultimately can also serve as a benefit even when the review isn't good because you have something to base it upon. Um, you know, I'm kind of, I mean, look, you're thankful for good reviews. They're definitely helpful because, you know, one of the ch- most challenging tasks is to get consumers to try your product. And they're far more likely to try something that they've read something positive about. But in the end, a cigar is not going to live or die based on any individual reviews. Um, and so I, I, I think it's... Uh, I think it. I think it has merit. I welcome it, but at the same time, I don't get my panties in a twist over it. You know, some guys. You know, some guys get really upset. I mean, when I was at my last company, when we got a bad review on something, you know, one of the owners would freak out like it was the end of the world, and we get all upset. And I, I don't know. I can take it and look at it as, hey, you know, maybe the guy just genuinely didn't like it. You know, I, and I don't really. That doesn't bother me. What I care about is. Did it draw well? Did it burn well? Is it well constructed? Is it consistent? And does it taste the way I intended for it to taste? And if it tends, if it tastes the way I intended it to taste, then I expect people are going to just decide whether they like it or they don't like it. And I expect them to really love some things. And I expect them to really not love some things. And that's just normal. It's human nature. I mean, I don't. There's tons of things that people love that I don't understand why they love them. Do, you know, do you get a, you know, I, I kind of take it because I didn't even know before we started this, you know, a couple years ago. I, I, when I first started smoking cigars about 2009, uh, going almost 10 years ago, you know, there wasn't a lot of uh, cigar sites. Uh, it was mostly chat rooms and, and, and things. I think we just talked about that a little bit in our first interview. You were really big on on that. But, you know, I, I as a growing up as a filmmaker... I, I would always like reading reviews of films I directed where people read things into it that I had never in a million years envisioned. And if it made me look good, if it, if, if it was complimentary, I'd be like, oh, well, you know, all right, that, that's that's something. Do you ever read reviews and, you know, some numb nuts like, like us are talking about, you know, notes of graham cracker? Or I'm going to disappoint you. I have never read or watched a complete review. I literally skip to the end and see about what the last 
It's either the last two paragraphs right. or the last like minute and a half of the video review. Oh, well, usually I, our, our I, written stuff is only I, like a paragraph, so. <laughs> right. I, in fact, I honestly you really don't want you, you really don't so watch three and a half hours. In so long, and first, third, second, third, the intermission. Yeah. I just, I literally, and you think I would be hanging on every word? Sure. No, not I'm just not. with us, but with anybody. Well, with us, yeah. Just with you, it's everybody. Yeah. I, I literally, I skim. I don't really, I really, because I just, I think that, look, you guys are generating content. And, and when the generation of content, there has to be content. Okay? But I think sometimes a little less is actually more. <laughs> that, uh, but you're, you're talking in generalities, not just about the Tuesday Night Cigar Club here. <laughs> uh, not in generalities. Yeah, like, look. Our metrics show that Cuba, three and a half hours is It's like a freaking long. novel. It's War and Peace. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's crazy. Uh, Brian Glenn, it's him smoking a cigar for like 50 minutes on video. You know what I mean? Am I going to watch some dude in Florida smoke a cigar for 50 minutes? That's just some sort of like twisted porn as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I don't get it. You know what I mean? It's just it's too much. And so what I'm saying is I'm the guy whose livelihood's dependent upon it, Sure. who made the product. If I'm not willing to invest the time to read all that, I find it very hard to believe that the average consumer is willing to invest the time to read all of that. Well, number one, I, I think I hear you saying I should introduce Brian Glenn to my cousin who has those magazines. Uh, <laughs> number two... Now, come on, man. I didn't mean to target this poor man. <laughs> number two, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, when we started this format, um, it, it was definitely something different. It's grown into something extreme. I mean, no, nobody else, for what it, you know, many reasons, does what we do. Well, I'm pretty proud. We shaved it down from four hours yeah. to an average of three and a half. Yeah, we, I mean, we're getting there. We're getting yeah. there. Um, but no, I mean, there is something to be said for that. And I, I we do get a lot of uh, people actually jump in. At I, I learned this this weekend uh, traveling, um, and we, we we ran into the some people listen to the show at the last barn smoker they actually told us you know what it's a lot funner to jump to you guys just see what cigar you're smoking and then jump into hour three because that's when you guys are you know in the spirit the the (laughs) most the most entertaining uh take that brian glenn um but yeah i mean it interests me that you that you just kind of skim it i i i see why and i believe it I, I just as a as a blender, I just I was always I was just kind of curious if if you ever heard of people experiencing something in your smokes that just rattled your brain like of course all the time. Look, I'm blown away. You know, whenever I see people like right now, of course, everybody's saying, "What's your favorite cigar of 2018?" You know, you see these social media threads, and I'm looking at these posts, and I'm like, "Okay, I understand that one. I understand that one. Really, it was that." You know yeah. what I mean? I see some of the responses, and I'm like, dude, you need to step up your game because for the same $8, a way, way better cigar. You know what I mean? And I, I'm always tempted to just jump in and like literally say, okay, guy, I understand. You like this kind of genre. You got 8 bucks to spend. Here's a list of six other cigars 
that are way better than that one you think is the best cigar of 2018. Right. But in the end, if he loves it, if it suits his palate, if it makes him get a chubby, who am I to tell him what he likes and dislikes? You know yeah, what I mean? It is. Uh, so, well, so I, I look, I, and the other thing too is like when you get into all the crazy adjectives and the descriptors, yeah, I find some of them really insane, but it's really hard to. And these guys are writing these reviews every single day. And they're basically describing something that's brown and round and you light it on fire. And they're trying to find a way to not make every review sound the same. So, and the other thing too is, I guarantee you, whenever Charlie writes something that's really amazingly fucking stupid, he gets way more clicks to go to his site to read about burnt rubber potato chip pop tart description. Uh, sure, he's, okay. he's not stupid. Yet, he's not stupid. He's not stupid. He's in the media business, okay? And his business is driven based on the number of people that read his content. <laughs> so when he writes something like that, we all have a chuckle about it, but I think he has the last laugh, to be honest with you, because he's getting the traffic, he's getting the clicks, and in the end, that's the reason why He's charging eighteen thousand dollars a year to advertise on half on half wheel yeah. because he's got the traffic, and so yeah. you know you just got to take it all kind of for what it is. And then to answer that last question, the reason I'm not in cigar aficionado taste tests are because I have a very bad personal relationship with the owner of the magazine. It goes back nearly twenty years, and basically. Um, me and the editorial staff have just kind of agreed that it's just better not to say anything good or bad about one another. And I like their editorial staff completely. So as a result, I kind of am just not in the magazine. And uh, and look, and it's and the relationship's so bad that he wouldn't even sell me an ad in the magazine. If I plunk down the money, I can't even buy an ad. That's how bad the relationship oh, is. So, but, you know, look, I... As much as I, and I think it's a good publication. I know everyone likes to dump on it, but it's well put together. I think the staff does a good job. I think the writing, the photography is good. So I actually don't have any anti things like most people do. Yeah, of course, do I find some of the cigars that rate high to be crazy? But I find that with everything. But as a general rule of thumb, I, I, I don't, I don't, I actually have a, even though I have a really bad personal relationship with the owner. I actually don't have nearly as negative a view about them as a lot of people that do business with them all the time. Yeah. So it's yeah. kind of weird. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I, I had to ask, and I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, I I have not subscribed for many years. Uh, I, I always just got a kick out of their end-of-the-year Christmas list, like, you know, buyer's guide to – it was like – if you want a solid, you know, here's what you want for Christmas: a solid gold ski boat. Like, <laughs> okay, I guess it's, you're just jealous, dude. Yeah, I know. Everybody I wants a solid gold ski boat. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, look. The other thing too is, as we move out of, you know, 25 odd years ago, it was a very critical publication. But now the way consumers get their information is so different that as time goes on, that medium is pretty much just kind of going the wayside. It it's not a star aficionado thing. It's an all-magazine. It's, it's a print media thing. It it's a print media thing. The way consumers 
I mean, everybody gets everything on their phone. You know what I mean? And uh, people just don't read magazines the way they used to read magazines. Just doesn't exist anymore. And you know, and so I mean, and I've always been in the belief. I mean, look, I love great reviews. Don't get me wrong. But to me, the individual consumer who's got no skin in the game in any way other than the fact that he pissed away 12 bucks to buy a cigar, him posting a picture of it's like, that's like the biggest win ever. When you get the individual consumer who's willing to recommend something to his friends and followers when there's no real benefit to him in any way whatsoever, he's only sharing it because he genuinely loves it, that guy, for the most part, is the one that is the most believable and in the yeah. end, I think we all kind of, we, we, we all pay more attention to it than anything else. And the thing is, when you guys generate a top list, it does provide a nice little check shopping list. I mean, you guys put out a list, and I look at the list, and I go, oh, you know what? I never had number seven on that, so next time I'm in the store, you know, you guys said you really liked it. Well, hey, I'm going to give number seven a whirl. You know what I mean? Will I agree that it should have been in my top ten? Maybe I will, maybe I won't. But that's one of the things that the lists do help to do. But so much of the lists, there are always some things on the list that you see and you go, really? How'd that make the list? You know, and the other thing too is you guys are also in this weird thing where even though you're trying to do the best you can, the more plugged in you are, you need that access. So you don't want to really be as critical as you probably would feel like being sometimes. Yeah. Now, maybe you choose to just skip over those, okay, and you choose to focus on the ones that you genuinely like rather than focusing on the ones that really you don't like at all, you know, just as a courtesy. But it's in your best interest not to start this interview off and say, yeah, man, we love that sober man. Man, that Thomas Los Diaz, that's, that's donkey dong. You know what I mean? It's like... <laughs> <laughs> well, we actually we're actually kind of in a unique thing as far as the a lot of the other sites. Like you said, Half Wheel puts out several reviews a week. Same with Coop. Uh, I don't listen to any other. I know there's a lot of cigar podcasts. I don't listen to any of them, or I, and I I try not to read any of the other sites. I don't want to uh, cloud my head or, or or you know influence anything. But we only do a certain number of shows a year. Um, on the recommendation of our doctors. And <laughs> so we can only fit in, you know, 20-something cigars a year. And, you know, there's 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 only so much room. That doesn't mean that we don't smoke great cigars. Like, Tut, you smoked Nick's uh, new Tabernacle the other night. You texted me, this cigar is amazing. Like, this is the... But we're not going to... We just don't have the time to get it on the show. Yeah. So we don't. But, but to get to your no. que- but to get to your question, Steve, we don't have the option of if we get a bad cigar on the show, we can't just pass on it. <laughs> we got to put that show out there because you know we we're, we got the mics up. It takes a lot of effort to get this whole thing. We actually going. got we actually got into. Uh, you got to take me out of the cryogenic chamber, and <laughs> we uh, actually got into a position to where we weren't uh, as favorable, I guess, as one manufacturer was hoping that we would be. And they speaking of critical, 
Do you know you're slightly off screen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm not on our camera. When you watch the show, he'll be in there. It's just for you right now. Oh, okay. It's just me. (laughs) Yeah, it's just for you. It's just freaking you out. You're talking about somebody didn't like our review? Yeah, yeah. Just one manufacturer wasn't happy with what you said. Yeah, so they really weren't that happy, but unfortunately they didn't quite read the full review, and then they spread it around. And then by they, I think we released it in the morning, and then by noon after they had shared it, it on a all their social manufacturer, they'd shared they it on all their social it. media, and then they actually read the review. And I went, I was like, "Hey yeah. guys, look, I, well, look, I will. If I see something in a review that I just think is just wrong or I don't like, I'm not sharing it. I'm not obligated to. No, no, absolutely not. Job to share yeah. with no, people. I, <laughs> Well, no, I was just I was just laughing. So is that what we get there's... off on is because because we have the word cigar in our name, Tuesday Night Cigar Club. As you know, we can't promote on Facebook, we can't you know promote on Instagram, we can't pay ten bucks to reach ten thousand more people. We're not selling cigars, but just because we have cigar in our name, we can't have Google ads. We can't do a lot of things that other podcasts can do. So when a company does this huge push and like check these guys out? Well, my the gentlemen over at the Tuesday <laughs> Cigar Club have, and we're like, hey, you know, we like engagement, we like sharing, and they're like, oh shit, they they didn't like the cigar, and then they just they just did this mass delete of to everything. Me, to me, it goes it goes kind of to your point to where a lot of these you know a lot of people in our position, and and I'll I'll be frank, I struggle with it too because I don't want to piss anybody off, but you know there's. I got called out on a show about four shows ago by uh, one of our other guys who's not here tonight. Uh, I was kind of him hawing around being critical, and he was just like, just say you don't like it. He was just, just go ahead, man up, and say it. He was like, that doesn't mean that you can't be friends with anybody. It just means that you don't like this one little product. But I think that a lot of people are kind of like, you know, kind of like you were saying, they don't want to be that critical, so they just kind of rubber stamp and smooth it through. And I think that there's manufacturers in the industry that are so used to that to where they, apparently this one just rubber stamped it on through, and then was like, oh, no. Nope. Someone actually said something bad about us. <laughs> Sorry. Um, let me ask you this real quick, Steve. You're talking about you read the list and you can't believe. Right now, now we have not smoked the Sin Compromiso yet. We're going to smoke that after the interview. Uh, I looked earlier today. Right now, according to our metrics, our our uh, ratings, and we all rate them individually according to a very highly scientific uh, yeah, it's scientific spreadsheet. Right now, I think our number one cigar of the year uh, is the Cinco Decados from Hoya. Okay. Have you had it? Absolutely. You liked it? That was a really good cigar. A little, a little too smooth for me. See, I, I'm gravitating more towards the the smooth stuff. So it just sung, it sung beautifully to me. I, I love uh, it. It's a beautiful cigar, though. It's well made. It's impeccable tobacco. I, I can see why somebody would really love that cigar. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we really dug that one. Um, I won't get into any other ones. I don't want to put Steve on the spot. I'm not going to be... You're that, in the hot seat. You're in the hot seat. Uh, yeah. Well, everyone asks... This, I'm sorry, go ahead. Um, it's it's just so personal as to what you it like really, and you don't like. It really is. And, and I think and, you kind of... I think you can acknowledge things that are really good at the same time acknowledge that they're not for you. 
So right. like example, classic Davidoff white lab, white, white label, beautifully constructed, incredibly clean materials, impeccable construction. It's been consistent for the last three decades. I mean, since they've come out of Cuba in 92, 93, that cigar has been very nuts on flavor profile-wise. It's a beautiful cigar, but, you know, I find it just a little too light and a little too boring and just not a good cigar for me. But I still think it's a really amazing cigar. So I can separate out that, okay, there's some really great cigars out there that just aren't great for me, you know. And uh, and I think that... uh, and I, I, you know, it's just. But the problem is, you don't get as much of that as you just get everybody kind of pushed into this eighty-nine to ninety-four window. I mean, look, I've had multiple cigars this year get ninety-sevens and even some hundreds on a few of my cigars. I had a, I had a really good <coughs> cigar year. I mean, I had unicorns, which are amazing cigars. I had the Toto Celestia Stick Lonsdale, which was an amazing cigar. I had the Miki Rita Firecracker, which was another really stellar cigar. And I've also, I now have Sin Compromiso, and that's all within this one year that I've had all of these cigars get released. And, uh, and I think that ultimately, I think that I'm going to end up dividing up my vote against myself when you look at all these various lists, because I think that some guys are going to really you know, dig one way more than the others. Yeah. And at the opposite end of the spectrum, uh, takes in Compromiso. I have a consumer who's a huge fan of my product. He smokes everything. He smokes like four to five of my cigars every day. He hates in Compromiso. He, he's tried it. Like, he, he wants so much to like it because it's for me. Okay. Yeah. And he keeps reading how wonderful it is. Okay. You know, everybody just keeps saying, oh, it's so amazing. So he keeps thinking, what's wrong with me? So not only did he buy a few, he bought a box of every size so he could be sure that he really didn't like it. And when I was at an event, he bought another one while I was at the event to give it another try. And I'm like, why are you doing this? It's okay that you don't like it. You know what I mean? There's no harm that this cigar doesn't suit your palate. You know? Steve, could you you describe what those unicorns are like when you smoke them? (laughs) Yeah, I, I bet those are amazing. Yeah, yeah so so very good. Oh. Ch- Ch- go get our soccer squatch and put it on the table. We we did get a soccer squatch. Uh, we did. Yeah, we we placed. Uh, we ran out of something. Uh, oh, we ordered the new uh, Naka tamales. Uh, the the 2018 Naka tamales. They were giving away a soccer squatch. So we. Ah. We, uh, we we got those. We're gonna we're gonna do the eighteen Nakatamali early early uh, next year. Uh, we couldn't yeah. get it on this Here's year, the but about the eighteen Nakatamali is the exact same tobacco as the seventeen Nakatamali. Well, here's what. But here's what we did sort for the tobacco on all of the Muestras. I actually sorted enough tobacco initially to make five years five years of both product. Okay. So it is absolutely the exact same well, crop. My exact tobacco. So the only difference is the age of the tobacco from the point that it gets rolled into the cigar. So, like, for example, I think the exclusivos that got made in 2018 actually taste better than the exclusivos did in 2017. Okay. Okay. Um, the Nakatamales to me seem to taste exactly the same to my palate, 
But I, there's going to be a point that probably somewhere towards the tail end of next year, I'm probably going to have to start putting in some different tobacco. Okay, same tobacco, but younger, right. because it's all going to start to age out too much on me. Well, and I'm going to start to go, oh, it's it's a little milder than I want it to be. Here, here was my thought process on getting the 18 Nagatamales. I had this idea where every year our number two cigar, if we're going to revisit a cigar every year, I was like, why don't we revisit the number two cigar from the previous year, which was Nakatomali. That was our number two cigar last year. Why don't why we revisit the number two and not the number one or something? It, it was, it was close. It, it, was, it was, it was, a, it was a brutal, it was a brutal. Uh, oh Jesus, what's going on? Oh, you're getting the socket squatch. Okay, so our, our viewers can see the. And if you go to Steve's Instagram or if you do a hashtag Saka Squatch, this this guy is showing up all over the globe. Like there's guys in Antarctica putting a Saka Squatch. Uh, that's my fa- that's my favorite part about it. Yeah, no, I just love. There's it. some like really like, beautiful signs. There's like there's like dudes that's going on their there's like guys going on their wedding anniversaries and like I just made love to my wife. There's Saka Squatch. <laughs> it's crazy. It's like the Travelocity note. <laughs> it, really, it really is. I mean, people are just... And I, you know, and I never really thought about it, but it's actually the thing I like the best. I mean, and some of the photos some of the people take... Oh, they're yeah, crazy. beautiful. It's stunning. I saw one at the Grand Canyon that I was like, wow, this is an amazing photo. I saw one from a guy in Ireland that yeah. was just... It was like seriously tricked out. Yeah. I mean... Well, my daughter is competing at a UIL chess tournament, my second grader, uh, next month. I'm That's going to be the king? I'm taking Saka Squatch. Uh, <laughs> we'll get a thing there. Uh, all right. Well, I know everyone's big question for you is what's coming up next year, and I'm, I'll go ahead and ask that. But I also want to ask, because I'm good at asking like multiple questions to where he has to really keep track of what I'm doing here, is do you foresee a year any time in the near future – maybe especially with the FDA, where there's nothing new being released by Dunbar and just releasing your established brands, and that's all she wrote, just continuing on the course you're on. But, like, the, hey, you know what? Next year there's nothing new. We're just going to keep making what we're making and making it, you know, up to standards. But, no, there's nothing new. Yes and no. I mean, I th- I'm going to slow down next year um, because I already have so much. And none of it's crap, and everything's growing. So at this point, if I release another core brand, I'm really just competing with myself on the shelves because the retailers already have, you know, they're buying everything, a lot right. of them. Yeah. So I mean, so I have to also think from that perspective. Um, so I, I think that I think I did too much this year, to be honest with you. Um, and then, you know, on the new thing, I mean, I spent four freaking years to make Sing Copper Miso. And you want to ask me about what's new. I just want to, I just want to slap you upside the head. No, that's why, that's why I said I wasn't, the, the other I mean, guy, the other guy, I'm not asking you that. You just, you just did it. <laughs> no, no, but I was like, yeah, I, I, no, it's just something I heard. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's no, not me uh, saying that. It's something let, I heard. You know uh, let me, let me, let me tell you. Most people that are asking you that is because, they really love what you're doing, so they're excited about what you're going to do next. They're not asking you because they don't like what you're doing. They didn't like what you had done. 
they wouldn't care what you were doing next. Correct. So what's the question? So even though you know we kind of like, are you kidding me? You know, I just spent four years to make this one blend. You you just kind of like, but the reality is, the reason why they're asking is because they genuinely love what you're doing. Absolutely, and they just want more of it. And uh, Steve, you like you like a band, you like a musician. Your first question is, when's your new CD coming out? Are you guys right, recording, you are, are you guys recording new music? Yeah, no, absolutely, and, and I understand it, but it is it is sometimes you're like really. I mean, I just I just released this, and in the end, it's not the way you're successful in our business. You don't get successful in short-term products. You get successful when you make a product that is very good and very consistent, and the consumer year after year can have faith in what they're buying. So when you look at the really successful companies. It's because they have core brands that have a following to them, and they're part of people's daily rotation, and and that and that's really ultimately where you become successful in our industry. You can't live on a string of one-hit wonders, because eventually what will end up happening is everybody will eventually get sick of your crap, no matter how good it is. So you also have to be somewhat judicious. And the other thing too is if you're trying to make something consistent long term you've made such a capital investment in it you don't really have the dollars to keep making that type of capital investment indefinitely into a wide variety of products so I mean this, this is kind of where my head is at look I I have I have a product that's being made as an exclusive for smoking called Red Meat Lovers um, there's a club in South Florida it's a gentleman's only club which makes it sound like a strip club, doesn't it? It does. It yeah. Is a, yeah, I know. But what it is is it's literally these guys have a total pig fest once a month of you know a beef steak or five whole roasted pigs, and uh, they asked me to blend a cigar to specifically be eaten with red meat. So, um, so I hmm. created a blend for that. And I really did it because I wanted to go to one of these beef steaks, which I am next month. So it was kind of kind of selfish as a fat guy, but I'm like, this is kind of cool, yeah. kind of a cool project. And uh, and then Dave Garofalo and two guys asked me to make another uh, 500 boxes of firecrackers uh, for next year because they had such success with the firecracker. Um, and I really like the firecracker blend. So I may expand it to some other sizes and maybe add one, two, I don't know, three at the very outside, different Vitolas in the Mickey Rita line using the Firecracker blend. Okay. Uh, so, and then I have, of course, I have my favorite cigar in the world coming out in March. I have the, uh, the Now Leave Me the Hell Alone Lancero. So I can't wait till that. So that that sucker is going to come out. For our listeners, and, uh, for our listeners, Steve is not a fan of the Lancero format, and he he was he was internet bullied into uh, creating a Lancero. Uh, obviously, the L40 that he did for Drew Estates a big. Uh, a lot of people just love that smoke, and uh, which was my favorite Liga Bravada. Really? Yeah. No, and L40 didn't start off as L40. L40 started off as L38. And I increased the ring gauge a little bit so I could put something more in there to try to make it a little bit interesting. <laughs> yeah, I don't 
have this general rule. I don't like to smoke cigars that make me feel like a gay porn star or a pedophile. That's kind of kind of where I'm at. And you can Lanceros are just down on the wrong end of the spectrum for me. I so wish I had and, my mustache uh, right now. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, you picked. You picked. If we did this interview a week ago, Tut would have had a pedophile porn star mustache. It would have oh, been, beautiful. Would have, uh, beautiful. <laughs> would have, uh, well, we're sitting around talking about putting long, round, brown things in our mouths. Uh, we're talking about all sorts of. Did, did you happen to skim through our review of the Me Carita Firecracker, Steve? I did not. I don't I, think I did. I think, I, share? I think you usually share stuff. I think it might have slipped your radar over the July Fourth weekend. Well, I'm not, going not tagging, calling you, uh, not putting you in the hot seat, but we we really liked it, and we uh, uh, it's right there in our top ten. I mean, we we uh, we we really dug the firecracker. You're right though that it's a very different. Bl- uh, you know, I think we I think we lost certain things that we liked from the Mikarita blend. Uh, I think, I think yeah, it's not stronger. It's spicier. Yep. It kind of overlaps on. It kind of walks over the. Uh, the earthy sweetness that you get out of the broadleaf a bit. Yep. Um, the opposite of the spectrum, you get a, a much more kind of robust, kind of spicier nature out of the firecracker. It was. It lost a lot. It lost a lot of the coffee note that we really liked. And out when of the I'm Mary in the mood for it, I, I really, really dig it. But everything, everything's a compromise. You can't have yeah. everything in one cigar. So if you want something that's going to be bolder and more robust. That's going to come at the sacrifice of some sort of nuances somewhere. I imagine that's kind of like squeezing a balloon, where you know you squeeze over here and the air kind of comes up over here, and then you squeeze yeah. over there and the air comes over this there. This is just getting more homoerotic. As <laughs> oh, okay. you, uh, uh, <laughs> hey, speaking of compromise, Steve, uh, Sin, yep. how's this for the king of segways? Sin compromiso tonight's cigar. Hard a word to say. It is. Really? Just for him. Did just I say it wrong? Sin compromiso? You didn't say it wrong, but you said it like you were like in kindergarten or something. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, he says that a I, lot of words that I, way. I fuck up every name of every cigar. These guys laugh at me. I can't say... Like when I'm describing the tobaccos that go into something, they just sit there and laugh and chuckle. I'm sorry, from Central Texas... <laughs> That's I'm, not fine, out, that's fine. I'm not out there in the tobacco that's fields fine. with my pith helmet and 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 <laughs> now, now Skip would say that's what's wrong with me. He's like, you know, you're not learning, you're not you're not advancing your education as a tobacco <laughs> media member. Hey, whatever, man. Okay, so sit compromiso. Let let I'm gonna let the man himself introduce tonight's cigar. This is a, as you have said, your favorite blend you've ever had your hands on. Yes. Yes, yeah, in compromiso is. I mean, the, the the name of it means without compromise. It means no compromise, without compromise. Unless you're in a Mexican bar, a Mexican bar can sometimes mean without commitment if you're trying to like get a little side action going. So it doesn't work in Mexico as well. But in Nicaragua, it means without compromise. And um, you know, I wanted to make a, a signature blend that. Uh, was comprised of some really unique tobaccos. So, of the six tobaccos in Sincompromiso, five of them were originally grown exclusively for Sincompromiso, but I ended up utilizing one of them last year in Todos Las Dias. So now only four of the tobaccos in Sincompromiso are exclusively in that cigar, which is really rare. Was you know, that, sometimes I'm sorry, Steve. Was that the, was that the Mos Fuerte, the new 
uh, Total Celestials line? But actually, the Total Celestials. Okay. So, um, but, uh, you know, sometimes you'll have one unique tobacco in a cigar, but to have four, you know, just never smoked before, never shared before tobaccos in a single cigar, that, that's a lot of commitment. Um, so, and, uh, and the wrapper in particular is really interesting because it's a San Andreas Negro, which in itself is not so unique. It's a hybridized seed, which makes it a little bit unique, but not crazy unique. What really makes it unique is how we cultivate it. Um, I had read this article about five, six years ago about these crazy Japanese farmers that grow a thing called a crown a royal crown royal musk melon. And what a crown royal musk melon is, is it's a melon that sells for between $100 to $250 a piece for just one melon. Wow. And it's hmm. kind of like the size of a big cantaloupe. And, uh, and what they do is this musk melon vine will support like 20 melons. And what they do is they pull like 18 of the blossoms off it. And they only allow two of the melons to begin developing. And then they decide which of the two melons is their favorite child. And they chuck the other melon. And they dedicate the entire vine to just growing this one single melon. And the idea being that by having this vine dedicated to this one melon, and then by you pampering this one melon, you end up with a melon that's just sweeter, juicier, more fleshy, and you can basically, and it was the, it was the melon that was for the royalty, the royals of Japan was who it was grown for. And you can basically sell this sucker for 200 bucks. And, um, I always wondered how that would work with tobacco. So we cultivated a crop where we take off the bottom two-thirds of the plant just as it begins to leaf out. So as soon as the leaves get to be about two, three inches long, we tear them off the stalk and we throw them on the ground. And we only in the end, and then we pull off all the suckers as they develop, and we only allow the top six or seven leaves of the entire plant to ever grow on the stalk. So I'm basically throwing away uh, potentially about 73% of the weight of the crop, and I'm only getting that those top few leaves. But yet I have to pay the farmer for the entire weight of the crop. Right. Because it isn't his fault that I'm a moron and I want to throw all that tobacco away. <coughs> and uh, in addition, to that, I have to actually pay him more because he has to cultivate it so much more, spend so much time hand-tending the tobacco. So not only do I have to pay him 100% for the weight that I'm not getting, but I actually have to pay him a premium because I'm asking him to do all this extra work in the field sure. to grow so much less tobacco. And um, and the end result is that it just creates a leaf that's just... It's like San Andreas Negro that's just... It's just a little more earthy, a little bit more rich, a little sweeter. It's just got a really nice flavor texture to it. And, of course, you always worry that you buy into your own nonsense... So I buy a lot of tobacco from the same farm. It's the same seed grown the traditional way. So I actually had the factory roll 50 of each and then mix them up. And I was actually able to tell 100% of the time which ones had the cultivo tanto, which stands for foolish cultivation, versus the ones that were traditionally cultivated, which at that point it made it where, okay, this is for me it's legit, you know what I mean, which was really important to me. So it's a, it's, a, it's a really heavy, really full-bodied blend, but at the same time, it's so smooth and it's so creamy. It's a really weird contrast. It tastes like uh, it tastes like when you get a really strong cigar that you really like a lot, 
and then you age it for five or six years, and then you go back and you visit it, and it's just kind of rounded the whole thing out, and you know, and that's the way this cigar tastes just coming out of the box on day one. Now, if you're an uber uber strength junkie, it's probably not going to suit your fancy, you know, because it's a it's a much more nuanced style cigar. But it's definitely full bodied. It's definitely really rich, and it's for me, it's the combination of the really heavy full body and the density of it contrasted with the creaminess of it. Because that's a really odd thing to achieve yeah. in a cigar that is relatively that isn't that doesn't have five to seven years of uh, humidor time on it. And, yeah, uh, that's. Man, thank you for going into the details on how you cultivate that. That was pretty damn fascinating. Ever, I can't wait to fire this thing up. Uh, no, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, have you ever tried one of those melons? Yeah, I bought, I bought, I bought, I bought one because, of course, I was curious. And the, I gotta admit, the melon was really good. Was it worth? I paid like two twelve, and then I had to have it shipped. So by the time I think I was like two sixty all in on the melon. Jeez. Um, um, it was an amazing melon. <laughs> the hell of a melon. You know, I, I don't know, but uh, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of like when I talk about um, the unicorn. The unicorn's an amazing cigar, but you know, a hundred dollars is just a very high price tag yeah. to put a post against. So I always tell people to think of it more as art and an experience than. Something that you're just going to consume on a regular basis. Sure. Think of it like Kobe beef. If you've never had Kobe beef, sometime in your life you want to go to the steakhouse, you want to go ahead and spring for the $40 an ounce, you want to buy eight ounces of Kobe beef, $320, and you want to sit and you want to experience what good Kobe beef is like when it's well prepared by a professional chef because it really is an amazing experience. Chances are next time you go back to the steakhouse, you're going to bring your bone-in ribeye or your porterhouse or whatever, your filet. But you still want to have the experience of you know trying the Kobe beef. Yeah. That's kind of the way I feel about these Royal Crown Musk melons. I, want, I wanted to try it. I wanted to see what it was all about. And particularly since they were the initial inspiration sure. you know, for, for Sin Compromiso, for the wrapper, even more so I wanted to try it. But can I tell you that the melon was worth 200 bucks? No, it wasn't worth two hundred bucks, but it was it was really quite incredible experience. Good, a good melon. All right, could you tell us a little more what it's like smoking one of those unicorns? Yeah, I mean, look, a unicorn unicorn is basically a Connecticut broadleaf cigar that's just really super refined. Um, it's just it's kind of like taking an ingredient that is really an unelegant ingredient mm-hmm. and, and trying to make it into something that it's much more than what its pieces are. And it actually begins relatively mellow to medium, but when you get to the wide part of the bulb on that unique shape, yeah, it's a very unique it shape. A funnel, and it just keeps intensifying and intensifying and intensifying, and it's just one of these cigars that is really really hard to give up because just the shorter it gets just the better it gets you know what I mean so I see that most people when they smoke it they literally end up with as short as possible though because they just don't want to give it up you know what I mean yeah. it's, it's really a truly amazing cigar is it 7 to 10 times better than my other cigars no it really you know it's not you know what I mean is it worth the $100 
No, it's not. I mean, the fact that I spent stupid money to make it doesn't mean that you guys should spend money to, to that makes sense for you to buy it. Yeah, we're no, we're on a, this, we're, we're on a budget here. Uh, you know, to, you know, but it's a, it's a, it's a really great cigar. And so far, the ones we've made, I've only had one that was tight. You know, out of all the ones we've made, uh, but uh, you know what's weird about the unicorn is. You would think I would be excited that I could convince people to spend such real money on these things because right now we're back ordered on them for five thousand. Oh wow! Wow! And I only make a thousand a year, so and I'm still only going to make a thousand. I don't care how much back orders I have on it. Yeah. Because um, look, it's not my gross profit on a unicorn is about twelve dollars and twenty cents. My net profit as a company is right around five percent. So that means if I sold all 1,000 unicorns every year, which I don't because even though we've sold through and back ordered on them, I end up giving away about 200 as raffle prizes and charity donations. So let's assume I sold all 1,000. The entire profit of unicorn production equals about a truck payment. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's about $800. Yeah. It's not so – if I made all 5,000 for the back orders, okay, so now I got $4,000. Now, I'm not telling you $4,000 is throwaway money. But at the same time, it isn't worth taking something that is so special and unique. Sure. Just so I can, you know, make four thousand dollars. And the thing the only thing that bothers me about unicorns is people tend to save them for really special occasions. Right. You know, birth That's of a daughter, you know, twenty uh, fifth anniversary, it's their dad's eightieth birthday, they want to smoke a cigar with them. And I'm always worried that the cigar won't perform because in the end it is a handmade product. And look, I can replace a unicorn. You get a bad unicorn, I'm going to give you a new unicorn. In fact, I always tell people you should always lie and say it was bad so you get another one. You know what I mean? But the reality is I can't replace the moment. Yeah. I can't replace when they choose to smoke it. So I'm always a little, I always feel a little pressure when someone smokes one. Sure. You know? Because I love it when the guys buy them and they're like, you know what, we're just going to smoke them in the shop. It takes the pressure. But most people are saving them for a very specific, like, guy the other day, you know, he smoked it because he hit his one-year sobriety chip. You know what I mean? So he wanted to mark it with something really special. I mean, how bad would it be if that cigar <laughs> He might, right. he might start drinking. Right. He might start drinking again. He might start drinking again, right? I mean, so I mean, that, so oddly enough, I actually get a little nervous about unicorns, you know. So it's it's kind of it's kind of a weird thing. Well, I I, I see, you know, you, you take up a, in in your followers and what they post and when they when they tag you, it takes up a big portion of our social media feed. And I I've never seen somebody, you know, fuck you, Steve Saka. You know, I might I just had my my baby girl and I went out and smoked a cigar and it was a piece of I have yet to see a bad unicorn experience. Uh and I'm sure we'll we'll have our day uh with a unicorn eventually and this unicorn was so bad I gave my first daughter up for adoption. That's that's the bad episode. Like Tuesday Night Cigar Club finally decides to stop drinking. Everyone's applauding, like, Oh god, we've been waiting for this day. We're gonna celebrate with a unicorn Oh God, give me the whiskey. Uh, Steve Saka, you ruined everything. Um, well, look, uh, Steve, I said we'd keep it short, but we never keep it. Never. We never keep it short. Uh, I just want to take, a, on a personal note, um, 
as I said, when we walked into the convention center in Vegas on the first day, there was Steve giving us a hug. Uh, you've always uh, appeared to kind of get what uh, get a kick out of what we're doing, get a kick out of kind of the uniqueness of what we do and how we're trying to bring cigar culture into film lovers and beer lovers and kind of just spread the word on this beautiful thing that we all enjoy and you know what maybe a couple times a year we get that feedback of never smoked a cigar but you guys made it sound so good i went out and found one and you you know you guys were right um that's 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 what we're here for and you're one of the few that get it and you got it early on so i want to thank you for taking the time to talk to us like you always do uh, we are big fans. We remain big fans, and I'm just so excited to smoke this Sin Compromiso after your introduction so to it. Now, after all this, what if it's disappointing? What are you gonna do? Oh God, it's gonna be so awkward. <laughs> yeah, Cry on the floor. Flip the table over. Flip the table over. <laughs> hit hit Tut over the head with the stinky ashtray. That's happened before. Uh, what was that the Singham episode? Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, we we drank a uh, the golden monkey. We drank a beer called the golden monkey one night where we all just lost our minds. Uh, and what was the what was the cigar that night? The M Bombay or the? I think it was like the M Bombay. The M Bombay. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember. We, we just got crazy that night. Yeah. Uh, you know, you never know what's going to happen here in the corner. No hope. But I did want to thank you, Steve. I mean, coming into the podcast, you were you know this kind of guy that we really respected. And you, you, you've certainly extended yourself beyond what you had to to, to kind of. Uh, I, ho- I hope you get as much a kick out of talking to us as we do to you because, um, man, you're, you're the top of the you're the top of the mountain as far as we're concerned. All right, so just th- stop. Thanks, sir. What what size sin compromiso are you smoking tonight? We're smoking the I believe it's the number five, the 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 six inch. So let me say this. In San Compromiso, there is a significant difference in the way the two smaller rings smoke versus the larger rings. Okay. Okay? Yeah, the larger rings are a bit smoother. I think they're lusher. Um, and it does seem that most of the people that smoke it have a different, definite preference between the smaller versus the larger. Okay? okay. So... When you smoke somewhere in the future, hopefully you guys will have a chance to grab the the seven by forty four or the five and five eighths by forty six, so you can kind of compare and contrast them okay. because there is definitely a a bit of difference between them. Are we are we in store for more creaminess, less creaminess? We're in store for more creaminess. For creaminess, okay. We like creaminess. That's, that's yes, we do. Uh, the Tuesday Night Cigar Club is pro creaminess. Uh, so this, this might be the way to go. All right. You like that? Yes, yeah, sir. Sure. All right. Um, I'm, I'm I'm excited. Uh, tonight, uh, before we cut you loose, Steve, we're going to be drinking a very kind of light Italian beer uh, with the cigar. Uh, we're doing the uh, 2018 John Travolta movie Gotti tonight. In all your travels, Steve, have you ever met any true mafiosos or anybody in the mob? I mean, a lot of people say they are. Are they really? How do I know? Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah, there's been a couple people, but again, 
It's like, isn't everybody you meet in Jersey a wannabe mafioso? Probably so. Probably so. Uh, so. In this movie, there are definitely a bunch of wannabes. Uh, so uh, I hope when you watch the episode that you'll like what we uh, the hard truth that we give on our experiences. But uh, mainly, just thank you, sir. Uh, we always appreciate your time and uh, appreciate what you uh, do for the industry because you keep making them, we'll keep smoking them. Well, I, I appreciate what you guys do. So you have a great night and. Uh, Enjoy your really crappy movie, and uh, <laughs> it is crappy. <laughs> it's really, it's really, it's really bad. And, and Steve, I'm going to be doing a lot of really bad John Travolta impressions on the show tonight. So you guys have a lot to be excited about. Uh, <sighs> like look, Casa Nostra, he is so weird. He is. Like, I'm going to have a lot to drink about. Okay. <laughs> Steve, thank you, sir. We'll we'll be in touch soon. Yes. All right, you guys have a great night. All right, you too, brother. And a happy holiday. Merry Christmas. Hey, you too. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas to the family. We'll talk soon. Every day I'm hustling, 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 hustling. Every day I'm hustling, Man, hustling, I felt good about that interview. It was fantastic. I love Steve. He gets us. I mean, he basically called us retards, but he gets us. He gets us. He gets us. Let's face it, that's not that... Far off base. That's, no, no. Uh, well, he introduced the cigar better than I ever could, so oh, yeah, I, I did. I'll just briefly touch on it. Uh, this is a six by fifty-four that we're smoking. The Sin Compromiso number five. It is a San Andres Negro Cultivo Tanto wrapper, a hybridized, as he said, thin Lajero Ecuadorian Habano binder, Nicaraguan filler. I'll say price point, as I always do to the last. Um, yeah, it's weird. I, I, I can't say anything about the damn cigar because we had the guy who made it here, and I'm gonna step on his toes. But he did not introduce the beer. He did not. That's your job. It's my job. Do Just it. Do your job, man. Do your job. Beer more ready. I'm still getting over a cold. I've had a cold for two weeks. If I just come in with this abrasive cough every once in a while, I'm very sorry. Well, I'm, n- I'm not going to say the name of the beer again. You coughed right over it. <laughs> say it again. Bira Moretti. The Bira Moretti. The Bira Moretti. By Heineken. Yes, by Heineken. Originally, <laughs> uh, start, the, the company itself, Moretti, Luigi Moretti, started uh, brewing beer. Uh, the company itself started in uh, 1859 in, I'm not... Udine, I think that's how it is pronounced. I'm not sure. Are you sure it's not Udini? It might be. Udini. Udini. That would be it. I'm over here making a Bolognese salsa. <laughs> uh, he didn't put out his the the beer itself until uh, 1860. I'm well, sorry. I just, so pic- I just pictured. Well, a, he had to get everything set up. <laughs> first. I just pictured a room somewhere in New York. If they were listing, oh, oh, busting on the beer, Moretti. Feel like Sorry. it's just gonna just evolve. Oh, oh yeah. Boop, 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 boop. If there's gonna be a hit put on us, it's not because of our beer talk tonight. No. <laughs> uh, go no. ahead. I'm sorry, Cody. No, uh, didn't start uh, actually putting beer out until 1860. Uh, it is a pale lager. Uh, the European style, of course, follows the. Uh, at the time, uh, this area where uh, Udine is was still part of Austria. It's it's right there oh. near basically okay. on the border now. 
or near the border in Italy to Austria. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, I didn't realize they were that close, but that's my... American coming out. That's my American coming out. I didn't realize Italy and Austria were that uh, copacetic. Yes. Okay. They whole border. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, I did not know that. Just a tiny little thing. It just touches. They, 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 we don't want them to touch. Just barely touch, T. <laughs> just barely touch, T. Okay. It's not like a real border. Um, go on. I'm sorry. The, uh, the, the, Europe, uh, the pale loggers there, of course, follow more closely to, like, the German, the Munich Helles style. Uh, very popular style there. Pretty much all the countries have copied it. They have their own style, whatever. Uh but when he started out, I mean, in Italy, there wasn't obviously a lot of beer drinking going on. Italy's primarily known for drink for wine. Yeah. But so he was one of the first back then, you know. And, and over time, it, it slowly but surely it became a staple, and has since been and continues to be produced. Uh, they you didn't say Heineken. They uh, sold in uh, 1996 to Heineken. Um, but I believe the uh, brewery, the original brewery, is still there. Okay. Real, real quick, let me pause you, Yak Boy. Tut, I want to get your cold draw thoughts on the cigar before you lose them. I saw you puffing on the cigar before you lit it up. Did you get anything off the cold draw? Or? Oddly enough, not really. Not a lot. Not okay. a lot. Okay. Uh, you know, like some cigars, they just, you know, it's like... Sniffing hay, yeah, sweet raisins, or yeah, and I really didn't get any, get a lot okay. off, a lot off. Of okay, it. I just didn't want to miss anything. Go on, Heineken, nineteen ninety six. You said nineteen ninety six. And of course, still going strong, still still being produced and distributed. Uh, the beer itself, uh, it, like I said, it is a pale lager. This one is uh, about a four point six ABV. Uh, wimpy. Well, it's a lager. What are you expecting I it to be? I know, I know. Sorry, it's just, I'll, I don't, I don't mind the low ABV well, every now and then. Man. And uh, while it does have, uh, they they just describe it as some of them having a strong hop presence. No, it's no bitterness. No, I mean, you no. might have a hop flavor, but you're not going to have that bitterness. And this one only comes in around 20 IBUs. So. Yeah, there's not a lot of bitter. There is a tiny little bit of hops in there, which you don't get with a lot of lager. I, I do appreciate it. There's a little bit of crispness. Right. Uh, yeah. A little bit of hop crisp, crispness on the back. It, it, it's tasty. Yeah. I, I'm liking it so far. I wanted it, to stay as not, far out of this cigar's way as possible. And, and this is a perfect beer for that. Given that we're doing the movie that we're doing tonight, an Italian lager that was... Hands off and just—it's almost like a light beer. It is like a, but 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 there is a little bit of hop presence there that's not there with your your domestic you you know. I do get a little bit of hops there on the back end. No, not really. You're drinking Bud Light. Kinda. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, boy. I'm like you. There's that. There's something there on the back end that's a little bit different than. Hey, I just got back from Ohio. I've been drinking Bush Light for 48 hours. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> uh, we'll be doing our Bush Light episode next week. Sweet. Uh, anything else? That's pretty much it. I Is mean, that it? It, okay. It, so Heineken kind of gave them their 
still do what you do, and we'll help you with distribution. And uh, yeah, I mean, they, but it, you know, it's one of those. Like I said, it's a beer that's been around for more than a century. Kind of like the Leaning Kugel, where you keep your formulas and you do your things. We'll just help you get out to the masses more. Correct. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, it's it's harmless. I mean, it's 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 a very harmless beer. Uh, it's a fucking creamy cigar. I'm not getting I'm not getting the creaminess. I am just absolutely blown away about how easy this is to smoke. I mean, when you look at it, you're like, oh, that thing's gonna be a that's gonna be some muscle. And it's just easy, easy to smoke. The draw is just dang near perfect on it. Well, you, you uh, know, it's easy this- to retro hell. It's easy to flow across the palate. Well, he you know like, he described it as that it's you know full strength but very just light. So I'm Our full I, mean, body. I haven't, I haven't full, even full lit body, up yet. Full, full, body. Full, full body, but full very body. Light. Thank you. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm I'm getting some some really nice French roast coffee notes uh, off the front. I'm getting just a ton of cream. I'm not getting any spice on the retro. Um, there's no spice. There's, there's no, no spi- spice at all. There's no spice at all. There's no spice. Yeah, there's no spice in this cigar, huh? You're right. Our our accents are going to be like overdrive. I, I told the doctor it's a good thing you're not here tonight because he would take his Italian stereotype to <laughs> there. Where would, there actually would be a hit. There on would us. be a hit on us at some point. Um, all right. Well, we just let up. Uh, so far, it's a fast smoking cigar. It's mine's mine's burning pretty fast. Um, and again, I want to apologize to our. We are an audio, ultimately an audio thing. I, I have had a cold for two weeks, so pardon the sneezing and the coughing. I'm sorry. Um, I'm definitely getting the cream. Uh, uh, right out of the get go, I'm get I'm get, I'm getting cream and coffee, and man, I I do want to say something about this wrapper though. I mean. It's not oily. Nope. There's no oils, but there's also no veins present. I mean, it's yes. a pretty flawless light brown milk chocolate wrapper. All right. I'm going to say it because Steve said he wouldn't make fun of me. He doesn't make fun of anyone who says, but a marshmallow. <laughs> You're a marshmallow. You're, You're a, a marshmallow. You're getting some Milo, huh? Like a s'mores kind of. Maybe it's the coffee and the cream is kind of triggering some things. I don't know, but it's super, super medium. It's super medium for me right now. As far as it's, it's mild to medium on strength. Right now, in the early, you know, the first inch, it's uh, medium on body. Uh, just coffee and cream for me right now. Tut? Uh, I'm still kind of... Can't wrap your head around Trying to figure out what it is. Alright. Well, why don't I take a moment here to talk briefly uh, before we discuss tonight's film about Drew State's Herrera Steli Miami line. The Herrera Steli Miami is crafted by Level 9 Rollers from Cuba at the El Titan de Bronze on Caliocho in uh, Little Havana, Miami. Willie Herrera's family factory, and the oldest remaining Fabrica in Little Havana. Like the short Corona size featured at the 2016 IPCBR trade show, 
The complete Herrera Steli Miami line is now expertly crafted with a lavish Ecuadorian Habano Oscuro wrapper over a rich Ecuadorian Sumatran binder with select fillers from the Dominican Republic and Nicaragua. The new look of Herrera Esteli Miami features a black and gold color tone and is only available to Drew Diplomat retailers in five Vitolas now. Not just the one, five. Seek it out, folks. Did that give you enough time to come up with an opinion on this cigar? Uh, no, I was actually just kind of marveling at the band. To our, uh, it is a very bold, in-your-face band. It's kind of an interesting... And it's actually very unlike... The other it's stuff, not like any the of other well, stuff. I was going to say it's the Sober Mesa had that embossed, you know, very intricately embossed say. band. Same with Todos Los Dias, um, Nakatomali, and obviously a lot of his other stuff doesn't have a band. Uh, man, this is just a huge. I was going to say it's Celtic, bold, but it's Celtic like it's cross. Incre- no, it? no. There, there's no weaving. I was just going to say it's well, it's like, bold. It, it, I mean, it takes up. You know, I, I like the design, but it's just like it's. He simplified it in comparison to, like, you know, the Sober Mesa with the crown. And I was about to say, it's probably our European influence coming in. It's it's kind of Nordic looking in the cross, but at the same time, it's still more Incan and Aztec flavored, like with the tobacco leaves that are kind of, you say it's not woven. I think those tobacco leaves are kind of woven in there, and especially yeah. the band across the back there. I, I think it's a beautiful band. Yeah, I dig it. Uh, it's very unique, and I, I, again, I'm amazed at just how silky this thing smokes. I mean, the retro silky is a great word. The retro hell is just easy. I mean, I'm not a big retro heller guy. I, I'm still, you know, there are times where I'm still trying to force it, and this is just so damn easy to go through. I'm sorry, and it's not because Steve emphasized the creaminess. To me, I'm getting coffee and earth on the draw. Not bold earth, just a really no, mild earth. I, but I'm getting pure fucking half and half cream on the retro ale. I'm getting like it's, that's why that I'm much the of it. And then like the earth is just to me is really light. It is. It's a very subdued earth. Usually when we talk about earth and Nicaraguan tobaccos, we're like you it's know, like mulch in my blood mouth. of the blood of the Nicaraguan soil and the fallen soldiers. <laughs> no, no, no. This is a very subdued earth. No, I haven't gotten any minerals so far. No. Uh, but it's that earth, that slight earth. Mainly, it's, for me, it's that French roasted coffee on the draw. I'm getting a little bit of that. And then it's just pure cream, coffee cream, half and half on the draw. It's delicious. I'm just laughing because that's the one flavor I have so much trouble picking out in a cigar. And it's the one flavor that supposedly dominates this cigar. And I'm true to form. I'm having a difficult time. I can barely taste it. I can't taste cream. No, I mean... You have a big problem with cream. Uh, I guess I'm weird like that. I will say this. Construction, draw, I barely clip the cap. The construction is Uh, perfect. Oh, my God. You're, You're... Burn line. You don't want to talk about a stack of nickels. Your burn line is gorgeous. Uh, I start a little bit before you. Look at that. Uh, draw is perfect. Um, I, I, I'm going to come back to it. Um, despite our enthralling interview with Mr. Socket Knight, we're going to do something a little bit different tonight with the movie. I'm not going to take you through this scene by scene because I'm, I'm not. I'm not a masochist. Thank uh, God. I don't want to... I would never put myself through that, let alone you guys. 
We're going to talk in generalities about tonight's movie. I knew our, our interview with Steve would probably go a little bit long. Uh, so I just, I was like, you know what? We're just going to just, we're going to introduce the movie and we're going to talk about what worked for us and what didn't and we'll see how that goes. Let me it's a night of new things here in the Tuesday Night Cigar. Speaking of new things, yeah. let me take a moment to pull up my notes for tonight. I made notes. I took notes. Oh, God. Well, uh, before I introduce tonight's film, I'll let Tut get into his notes. All right, I'm ready to go. Did I say that with disdain? Slightly. His notes. Oh, man, I got a lot of good notes. Oh, boy. His I got writings. Notes. That's notes oh, Jesus notes Christ. He's got notes a, that's not notes. That's notes. a book. That's a cheap. The film tonight, as you uh, loyal listeners know, every uh, episode we do a film paired with a beer. Tonight's beer, beer Moretti, an Italian beer. We're going to do an Italian movie. Sort of. Uh, and I thought the cigar Sin Compromiso. I thought it, it sounded kind of uh, La Cosa Nostra. It sounded kind of uh, Spanish. Yeah, yeah. Spanish Italian are very close. <laughs> according are, to Tut, the according, languages. according to Tut, they share a border. I know that's not what I said at uh, all. That's what you said. <laughs> no, no. They're on the same continent. Spain, Italy. There you go. The continent of Spain, Italy. Yes, that's the one. You found it. Tonight's film is Gotti. 2018's Gotti. What has he got? John Gotti. Oh, John Gotti. Uh, To our loyal listeners who look forward to us taking you through a movie scene by scene, we're not doing that tonight because of the Sokka interview. I thought we'd just do something a little bit different tonight. I'm going to touch on a few things, and I asked the boys to bring some notes. Tut brought notes. Tut brought a book. Uh, so I'm gonna, let me introduce the film, and then we'll, we'll get down to business. Uh, Gotti, 2018. Did you guys watch on Amazon Prime? It's, yes. Amazon Prime. It's free. It's free. It is, thankfully. Ju- that's a good sign. It just came out, and it's free. <laughs> Must be good. They, they give away the good shit for free. Ooh, that is true. Please watch our movie. Written by Lem Dobbs, who wrote two Steven Soderbergh movies, which I kind of remember liking, The Limey and Haywire. The Haywire was the good one with Gina Carano yeah. and, uh, Bill, uh, and Bill yeah. Paxton. Gotcha. I actually did like that movie. And his co-writer, Leo Rossi, Leo who Rossi. was the paramedic in ha- Halloween 2. Bud? Bud. Got killed in the hot tub? Nice. Yeah, and he's also stars in the movie. He's very true, very true. Grilling some sausages out there in the street. <laughs> Looks a little bit different than he did back he in totally Halloween. Did. He does, he does. Just a uh, little. You guys want to do a drinking game tonight? We've no. never done this before. We're doing new things. No. All right. Just Every time long. I say La Cosa Nostra, you chug a beer. No. 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 We're not doing that. He's never going to say it that way say again, so unless he says it exactly <laughs> that way. Is it La Cosa Nostra? Nostra. Cosa. La Cosa Nostra. La Cosa Nostra. Yes. Well, look, I think they said it once in eight seasons of The Sopranos. They say it 20 times in this movie. That's just in the opening. Hey, 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 you can't do that, La Cosa Nostra. <laughs> uh, hey, you want to go to McDonald's? La Cosa Nostra. La Cosa Nostra. Drink a beer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, boy, all right, well... Let me just kind of start off, and then Tut, wherever your notes come into play, just feel free. This is 
new to all of us. Yeah, I don't know exactly how to do this. Um, or let me just breeze through this thing, and then you can just go through your notes. Whatever you want to do. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Well, the movie starts uh, up with a fictional John Gotti. Stop. I want to interject, right? No, go <laughs> ahead. <laughs> this is, is going to be terrible. <laughs> no, go ahead. Uh, the movie starts up with a fictional John Gotti, played by John Travolta, standing down by the waterfront. He's telling us directly into the camera. He's talking to it, the camera. New York is his city. And there's only two ways you can end up in this mafia life, in prison or dead, and I did both. But then we cut to an opening credit montage of old actual John Gotti footage. Yeah. Showing the real John Gotti. News clips, all Which that seems stuff. to me like a very bad idea. It was. It's a horrible if idea. If you're going to have issues believing John Travolta is John Gotti which going you into should. this thing, you should. Why remind you for several minutes of, what the, the, real, of the real John Gotti? I would have actually, yes. Like. I would have believed that Travolta was somewhat like Gotti until you showed me Gotti. And be the like, real hey, Gotti in the, in the opening credits. It certainly doesn't aid in the suspension of disbelief, am I right? No. Oh, and then it's even... What I liked was they aided the whole setting of the theme, the setting of the you know the Little Italy, New York mobster with Pitbull. Because nothing screams Italian mobster like Miami's Pitbull. I'm going to get to the music choices in this thing. I know. Uh, it was great. Mr. Worldwide. Mr. Worldwide. <laughs> Got it coming in. My first thing that jumped out on me was the oh. casting. Immediately after that opening, we start things off by seeing Gotti do his first hit for the Gambino crime family back in 1973. One of my favorite screen presences of all time is Tacey Keach, yes. Mike Hammer. Yeah. Escape from New York. No red meat. Escape no from L.A. Sex. No sex. There you go. Unless married. Oddly, he plays the concierge to Carlo Gambino, and while I love me some Stacy Keach, the casting's the casting seems a little too non-Italian for me. He's from Georgia. Yeah, but actually, actually, Keach, I thought I, I could give a pass. His, I was like, I've, he looked more like Cody's dad, Howard Lesker, than anybody. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, his mannerisms, his look, his patterns. I thought I was like out of oh, out of dude. everybody here. Him, he was actually one of them. Like I'm sitting here going. No, don't like, get me wrong. As the movie went on, I I liked him because he's Stacy Keach. He's a good actor. Yeah. But La Cosa Nostra, their main thing is. You're full-blooded Italian, or you're not in. No. Stacy Keach is American as you get. Atlanta, Georgia, Savannah, Georgia, wherever he's from, like that dude is American. He's not Italian. Come on, James Conn played fucking Sonny in The Godfather. This is true. James well, you know, this is one of the things. Like, right? James Conn had fucking blonde hair. It's in. You know, they they start doing with. And I really felt like. In many ways, that they were trying to like take elements and copy The Godfather, but it really wasn't working. Well, the whole well the whole oh, no. the <laughs> whole the whole visual was shot like The Godfather. Crunch blacks, overhead lighting. Uh, it was just I'm talking the color palette. I just the color I just and the couldn't lighting. believe off the bat Stacy Keach as I was fine with I was okay, fine okay. with Keach well now we're already arguing and I saw him and all of a sudden good. I was just waiting for that film noir soundtrack to kick in and <laughs> he's like just put on the little <laughs> he's got the the top the yeah. fedora and the oh. trench coat alright well I was having issues with him and then when I realized that the character of John Jr. wasn't a small supporting role Gotti's son visits him a lot in prison, and those scenes are central to the film. 
when I realized he was indeed a main figure in this film, man, the actor playing John Jr. was so amateurish. We've That's seen, when I realized the casting was going to be the thorn in my side in this movie. Okay, we've we've seen a lot. He's not ter- real quick. He's not terrible in the other scenes. Yeah, but in these this one, yeah. but in these scenes when he's one on one with old man Gotti, they he is work. so bad. It don't work. It took me out of it. He was so bad. But that the whole the whole scenes with old man Gotti. First of all, your transition sucked. You you didn't set anything up. I was confu- I was so damn confused. I was like. I thought I thought that this wasn't this wasn't a flash forward in time. I thought this was like some current time, and for some reason, John Travolta was playing a second film, character in old makeup. The film jumps from the top of his game, Gaudi, in the pre-credit scene to 1973. Then it jumps to his imprisonment, where he's battling cancer at the end of his life. Then it jumps back to 79. Then all over the 80s. Structure-wise, it's all over the place, especially early on. I was hoping it would calm down and find a good pace. It I know, doesn't. Same. I know. It doesn't. I thought, you know... It's like you, John Gotti's Life is a Facebook video where they just jumble all your shit together. I was thinking, you know, the way they it started was it, it was going to be him talking to his kid in prison, and then, you know, it's kind of like... there. Here he is towards the end of his life, and it's going to be like, you know, a flashback where it goes back to his beginnings... And then you get this sort of chronological story, and then you're going to finish up with him and his well, kid in prison. No, well, you don't get that. There's well, no chrono. There's no. You talk when you say chronological. This thing is in a blender, and it's spitting you out in the '80s, the '70s, well, the '90s. Well, I mean, it's, well it's, what they're it, trying to do is that it's it's not like other films haven't done this successfully. I mean, when you look at uh, Pulp Fiction, that jumps all over the place. But they they literally had bookend titles to let you know that this is a new type of deal. Heads up. Yeah, they also same had thing a with Godfather Two. Talented director. Yeah, but I mean, this aside from that, just you know, Godfather Two jumped back and forth a lot, but it was visually distinct for like when that stuff goes on that you could follow it. Oh. This you can't follow. Uh, oh, Tut, let me go on. Oh, and let aside, me, no, because I have to I have to rag on this on the prison scenes all across the board. They were horrible. The, it was horrible writing. It was horrible acting. It was just so damn bad to where it was like every cliche, every mob cliche, every literary cliche that you could cram into a scene. Yes. Man, they just pumped it in here. Let me say this. When he's playing old man, cancer-ridden Gotti, Travolta is masterful, in my opinion. I'm not sure if when he fails to completely cover up that he's John Travolta in the other stage of Gotti's life, that's entirely his fault because the direction's so bad. Mm-hmm. How would you perform if you're being directed by a blind mute seal? <laughs> Which I'm assuming this movie is directed by. Uh, I, I failed to say, this movie is directed by Kevin Connolly, who was one of the cast members of Entourage. Oh, that, that yeah. yeah. Okay. He was the ma- the agent, Eric. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know him. Yeah. This felt like a bro-directed... Uh, no, I, I, in, those, in those scenes, in those scenes in the prison, Travolta. I'm sorry, we managed, but I mean, my God, he sells it. All right, he does. I, I'll I'll give you that, but I was just so taken oh. out by the bad. What you're saying, Tut, and I think this is where I'm going here. Stylistically, because we're jumping all through the 70s, 80s, and and the 90s, 
The director shoots all these time periods identically, giving them no real time and space of their own. There's a bar fight where John Jr. gets in a bar fight that has like a, a cheesy rock song thrown in there. I felt like I was in Roadhouse all of a sudden. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I had no idea what's going Dude, on. Dude, later on later on the movie, you get to a barbecue 4th of July celebration and fucking Pitbull's playing in the background. It makes no like, sense. He randomly puts up title cards to announce some characters, like Gotti's lifelong best friend, Angelo Ruggiero. Oh, really? Played nicely. Did you guys recognize the bald guy? Yeah. Devil's Candy. Devil's Candy. Yes. Uh, Madman, Pruitt Taylor Vance, who does a good job. Well, I'll, I'll, but well, then he doesn't use the titles. He uses them sometimes, and he doesn't use them other times. Here's, here's the thing where I'm going to... This is a crap director. because It's a crap director and a crap story. Uh, because... I like Devil's Candy Dude. I've liked Pruitt in just everything that I've seen him. Sure. And this, I didn't. I, 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 I'm like, we had horrible lines. To I'm read. like, you're, you're lost. I was horrible, like, you had a horrible script. You don't look like you're in the mob. You don't even act like you're in the fucking <laughs> None mob. Of these guys I was did. like, Ugh. oh, and you're the. Well, I'll, I'll get into this is all relationship direction, later. Hell, the it's, death, it's all the direction. death of Gotti's young son Frank in 1980 in a mini accident. What the? It looks like it was shot by high school kids with a GoPro camera. Oh, man, and it was so poorly written. But it was so poorly directed. It looked like a GoPro they strapped on this bike oh, and a car. It was terrible. It was it was a horrible... Uh, okay, so you've got a, a car. You, you see a car a little bit. You see this kid on a bicycle, and he's riding down the road. And then the camera cuts over to a car who's coming down on a different road. So you know what's going to happen. Before it even happens, you know that this kid's about to get killed. And I didn't even know this part about Gotti. I was just coming to oh, this Oh, I did blind. go into this. So I'm just watching this kid for like three minutes swerve on the road. I'm watching another car for another three minutes. So like ten minutes before they finally just hit, it was like the steamroller scene in Austin Powers to where <laughs> you really saw was. you saw it coming for ten no! minutes and you could do nothing to get out of the way of this scene. The staging of that scene and other scenes, oh. the performances, dude, Willie Boy, when he's revealed to be an informant at the court and he begs John, like, don't kill me, John. The acting is so <laughs> terrible. I'm putting all these misfires squarely on the shoulders of the director. I'll do it, because you've got some talented actors here. You have talented actors here, and there's an epic story to be told here. Fuck yes, there is. And this doofus just didn't know how to cast it, one. But more importantly, he didn't know how to tell the story. No, he didn't. At all. He didn't. He didn't. Man, that scene at the restaurant where Gotti's handed the crown as the new boss, it looked like it was filmed at the upstairs at the pub. It was so uncinematic and so... Ugh. Well, maybe, I mean, maybe that's really what it's like. Just some, like... Just what, you're making a movie, you're not... Well, here's what I know is that you've got... I'm sorry, you're not talking about, you know, the the normal mafia guys that are just in the shadows, and it's all about dark, back, secret back rooms. This is John Gotti. This was the guy who loved the media attention. This was the closest thing that America had to Capone. In, in our lifetime. And he didn't he, capture any of that. And he didn't capture anything. Everything was shot so much in shadows and darkness. And if there was one thing about Gotti, he did not want to be in the shadows and darkness. But he darkness. also didn't deal at all with the celebrity of Gotti. Right. But he the, never showed the moment where Gotti had to, like, talk to his crew about the celebrity. He didn't talk to his wife about it. They didn't address that aspect well, of Gotti at they all. Did, they, did a, they did just one... Tiny scene. scene where he got released from prison, and he was like, 
Hey, no, 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 no. Conversation. A, if conversations I, were I, ready, no, there's a, there's I another scene. I honestly wish that they Travolta only played old Gotti and that they got some different actors to play young. There was a there was a there was a scene where uh, a guy had been arrested or something, and Gotti walks up to him and it was like, "Did you get busted for uh, pedophilia? Did you get busted for raping somebody?" He was like, no. So why do I see your hands in front of your face in front of the TV camera? Hold your head up. Be proud of who you are. And I was like, that's gaudy. That's a gaudy thing. That, that theme should have been throughout the entire deal. First of all, put some put some damn lights on the set and let me see everything because Gotti wanted you to see everything. It was filmed like a Netflix Marvel series. Yeah. It was I, all low lit. I mean, Deadpool's. Grays. I mean, uh, uh, Daredevil's guys are going, you know, we had more lights than this. But my main thing was just the 70s looked like the 80s, looked like the night. Like, he didn't do anything to differentiate Make a visual distinction periods. at all. Yeah, yeah and, I mean, and therefore we were confused about it. And I never knew what well, I mean, they, it's If like they a, didn't put up the timestamp, I'd be totally. Oh, wait, Travolta's got the black wig on here. Oh, wait, he's putting on the gray wig. Okay, he's bald. He had, like, he had to go by what Travolta looked like to figure out what the fucking time frame it was. What, you know. It, and the cars. You know, that's one of the biggest indications of an era. You you know, you see them drive up in the big, you know, Cadillac, it's the 70s. And in the 80s, you know, but you, they should have been coming up in the Lincoln. Every time but period it was still they, a Cadillac every from time, the 70s. Every time period they used those 70s Cadillacs, they never changed cars. <laughs> Real quick, uh, you know, this is very different for us. We're just kind of freestyling here. I'm almost to the band on the cigar. It's a fast-smoking cigar. Wow, I'm actually taking my time with it. Look at you. I've gotten some milk chocolate. Are you getting it? Mm-hmm. With the coffee and the earth, but that creaminess on the retro is just killer. It's so good. Tut? Uh, I'm getting a light coffee, like a nice little moderate breakfast blend, if you will. Very flavorful. Uh, yeah, there is some cream on the retro hill, but again, I'm not. It's not just dousing me on it. Uh, there's some earth there, but it's not like heavy earth. Well, Steve I called mean, it. He said, "If you like the heavier shit, you, this might not be the cigar for you." Yeah, but he also called it, and that it's it's a very silky, lushy smoke. I mean, it is just there's a, a good word. There's a great mouthfeel to it. There's just this great presence to it. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I I, I wish I would. And it's not just it's it's not just Steve's cigar. I, I have the problem with all cigars, all creamy based cigars. I cannot freaking pick out creamy or cream for some reason. Uh, but anyway, there you go. I'm I'm sorry. You got me all hopped up on this movie, man. Yeah, I'm no, ready to go no, to no, town no, on it. I wanted to get to the scar. I'm blazing through it, uh, man. Creamy, earthy, but the earth isn't that typical Nicaraguan. Yeah. Dark blood of the earth. It, yeah. it, it's very secondary to the coffee note. Um, but you get a little bit of that milk chocolate, but man, it's creamy. There's something else there. I can't quite place it yet. I'm going to keep working on it, but it's it's tasty. I mean, it's delicious. Um, I just, I, before we got too far into it, I just, I just want to touch on that. And good call on the beer. It's not. Yeah, it's out it's of the not, way. It's, it's not, not out completely of the way. out of the way. I, I want to concentrate on the cigar tonight. Yeah. And uh, I assume this is what all Italian gangsters drink, this beer? No. Beer Moretti. No. No. They they probably just drink whiskey. Yeah. My goal is for tonight to get through the show without a hit putting out on... Someone putting a hit out on us. There's already been a hit put out on us. Uh, 
Well, you know what? If the guys that made Gotti didn't get a hit put out of them, I think yeah, we're they, safe. They failed more than we were going to do anything. Um, we're, we're talking about casting earlier. I do want to say the young guy playing the old mob boss, the chin, who, yeah. you know, yeah, I gotcha. remember in The Sopranos when Junior Soprano kind of hobbled around his PJs. I love that. I it love was that. based on this, on this gangster, the mob boss, you know, the chin. He clearly looks like he's 80 years old when he's walking around in the streets, but then he goes inside his apartment, takes everything takes off. Takes everything off. He's got like his long black he looks hair. Looks like a young De Niro, man. It's like he looks like he's in his late 20s. Yeah, yeah. And when they show him in his apartment, it looks like a 2018 hipster Brooklyn apartment. There's a like I kept waiting to see a flat screen TV on thing. Like this, these. This fucker put no time into making things look authentic. Dude, to- there was uh, there was so many Christmas scenes where everybody's out there in like normal jackets. You're talking New York in December, and these guys are out there like in sleeveless shirts almost. He didn't know how to direct his way out of a paper bag. There's one scene where the mobsters all turn their backs and shun Bald Angelo when he it turns out he ordered a hit that he wasn't supposed to. And like he comes out into the, the, the lounge and they all turn their backs on him. And it was supposed to be like this dramatic moment where like the most loyal soldier is getting, sh- they call it shelved, where he's not allowed to be in the mob anymore. But you get a pass because you're not being killed. Yeah. It's just this heavy thing. And they just show like he walks out of the room and everybody just kind of turns. It was like Can't Buy Me Love when Ronnie comes out and like <laughs> Big John, Big John turns, turns around. Get out of my mafia. It was so cheesy, man. Everything was just so cheesy. Right? Yes. yes. Yeah, it's yes. so horrible. But not only that, you just ruined an entire story because you have... Uh, it's a great story. The story you have, of John Gotti is, well, first could of all, be great. All right, so let's, let's, let's take this little this thread of Angelo and Gotti's relationship. Angelo was supposedly the most loyal, the most you know stand-up guy. Gotti said that... You know, if there's one guy who wakes up in the morning thinking La Costa Nostra, goes to sleep at night thinking about La Costa Nostra, it's this guy. He's been had my back for decades. We see him in his sleep. He's like, La Costa Nostra. You don't see crap about their relationship. I had no clue that they were that close until they told me he was that close. And then when they kicked him out, I'm like, all you, all I don't believe is, anything is a this. Travolta voiceover. My, he, he was like a brother to me. He's, he's my, like my a brother. He's, he's like a brother to me. No, he's a childhood no, friend. He's, no, he's not because he's like, all right. Uh, so, uh, hey, you know what? You can't. You can't be in the the mafia anymore. And then gives like this dismissive <laughs> hand wave. And I'm like, dude, this is like one of your best friends who's been your back, and you're not crying. You're not doing anything. You give this little, eh, get out of here. And I'm just like, did you Travolta? Get out of here. It's yeah. it's so horrible. It is so horrible. Later on, when Angelo dies, and Gotti's at the at the uh, tombstone, tombstone, and he's like kissing the tombstone with his fingers. I think he broke. The, a, I think he actually died of a broken and, heart. And, here. And, the vo- and the voiceover is like, you know, he died of cancer, but I think he died of a broken heart. And I'm like, I couldn't, I could care less because I didn't know these guys. I didn't know this relationship. Anything I didn't see anything that you had to maybe latch onto came from that the actor playing. Uh, Ruggiero, he tried. Yeah, he tried to seem loyal and 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 the puppy dog soldier to Gotti. Just bad direction, man. Bad editing, bad script. All of, bad all across all across the board. I agree. Um, God, yeah. 
And what I really hated was that, you know, you got this touching cemetery theme, and all of a sudden, Mr. Worldwide! It's got, come on, Pitbull, get out of there! The music choices... Did Pitbull, did Pitbull I, know somebody on this? Sometimes in the early 70s scenes, they used, like, some disco music, and I'm like, oh, okay, they actually did that. But then there would be another scene where they, like, came in with a, some really, like, weird score. Where'd that come from? And it was gone. And then they would come in with this just cheesy rock music that... You know, they're, you this know. guy has no business directing movies. Well, Would somebody please bring Entourage back to where this guy has something else to do? If you you were directing Entourage, no, he was a star. He was an actor. He was an well, actor. I was Entourage. saying you're 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 starring in Entourage. Entourage well, is California. It has one season. <laughs> it has well, one lighting, beach lighting. Everybody starts somewhere. Uh, this was not the movie for him to start. There is a movie to be told with John Gotti, and 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 you blew it. And I, I'm gonna get to the. I'll get to this at the end when we. I, I want to say some nice things about the movie. I was really worried that John Travolta would be the thing that sunk this thing because like, he's such a distinct actor, he's such a distinct personality. How am I ever going to believe that John Travolta is John Gotti? He was the least problematic thing in this thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, that that wish, tells you how bad everything else was. I wish they would have basically just stuck with him as being old Gotti in prison, and gotten someone else to do the young stuff. Well, if you got a good director and a good actor to play that son, John Junior. Yeah. And you nailed those prison scenes. Yeah. Travolta was so good in those prison scenes. Yes. The makeup was so good. This dying and. Those were the saving grace of this movie, those prison scenes. If you had a director who came in and built around that and told a story around that, like we're going <coughs> to, excuse me, build it around those prison moments, you could have had something here. I think one of the things that was really tough, because <coughs> I went back and forth on this issue as I was watching it, you know, at first I was kind of like, I would, I, I would love Travolta in a totally fiction-based movie. I could get past the fact that that's Travolta if he's in a total fiction deal because he's a good actor. He, he really is. But then I got to thinking about it. No, it's not Travolta's fault that I'm not that I'm only seeing Travolta here. It's because the writing is so damn bad, and he's got no direction, so he has no. He has no direction but to think to himself, do what he would do, and he went Travolta on it. So I don't think that that's really his fault. I, I Plus, see. they should have done they they should have cut the the end caps that with him talking directly into the deal. Cut that. Get rid of it all together. All the footage for Gotti stuff, all the original Gotti clips. Pull that because shit and put again, it in. At the end of the movie, when John Junior still were telling his story, and Gotti is just now dying in prison. We then are shown John Gotti's funeral procession with real pictures of the real John Gotti and news clips of the real John Jr. as we're supposed to be still connected to the fictional John Jr. It's like, well, he doesn't look anything like this guy. No. Yeah. No. No, I mean... What? It, this no. guy's... The guy playing John Jr. is already a horrible actor. He sucks anyway. Don't... Now you're trying to tell me he's trying to look like this guy? Yeah. Horrible. Horrible. Did y'all? Am I the only one that thought when John Junior got released from prison at the end? Because he, he basically looks the same whether he's twenty or right or forty. He looked a lot like Mike uh, Shepunkovich, the cigar hustler. 
little bit. Pardon me if I screwed up that uh, pronunciation. What you got notes wise? All right, notes wise, huh? Yeah, notes wise. What you got? Uh, mainly, I've I've already gone through a lot of them, uh, just not as in not as in detail as I have in my notes. <laughs> Basically, we all took notes on just how god how horrible it it kind of was. I mean, everything. A lot of my stuff was like music and cinematography, which we already already kind of direct uh, addressed. Um, again, I, I just man, it, it was just so so horrible because you know Gotti was like the first media dime. Uh, they didn't tackle that at all. He was a large personality. I, I mean, was, I was, you know, a, a kid in the eighties. But right. my mom got People magazine, and there he was on the cover of People magazine. And I'm like, the, it's on my coffee table. Like, who's this guy? Right. That's huge. That's a crime boss on the cover of a magazine in Central Texas. And a crime boss living it up on that magazine. And who wants to be on that magazine. And chin up. putting his chin Just, up. And they didn't really get into that aspect of him at all. The Teflon Don. That should have been the movie. The celebrity aspect of it. There could have been glitz, it. glamour. The I celebrity mean, aspect of it. They didn't tackle that at all. Yeah. It just And because that was a huge thing with, you know... His soldiers and his and the other families, like they hated that attention. Their success over you know a, a century in America at that point was the lack of attention. You know, these were all guys like the guy that he ordered the hit on, uh, Castellano. Right. Old guys that just stayed at home and you know stayed out of the cover. Stayed out I of mean, the cover and 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 you know they do a little bit of that with John saying like. How the hell are you going to lead a family when you don't leave the house? Well, you got to be seen. You got to be out there on the streets. But there's a whole nother level of that where you're on People Magazine. Like let's let's explore that. No. Yeah, explore that, and then also like ex- you know maybe the conflict of the old school gangsters getting ruffled by Gotti. That's some great tension. That's some great media presence that you could tap into. They didn't touch Chose on not it to at do all. any of that. I just again, it was so everything was so brief and so cut off. Like it, there, there was a scene where even when he got out of prison, he, he like met some guy on the street, you know, and he's like, "How's your mother doing?" and and like there was little moments that I thought were put in there to add texture and layers to Gotti, but none of it really resonated. None of it stuck. And it wasn't because of Travolta; he was trying, and he did everything he was asked to do. Think about it this way: when uh, when we finally get through the credits or the 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 la- that final act of this shit show, when it's got the news interviews, the actual news interviews from people on the street, uh, just average everyday people, they were rioting in the street when he got when he got convicted. There was people all over the place. No, the, the government the streets did, better. The he government made our streets ra- safer. Right. You had this love uh, this love affair with Gotti. And the movie didn't do, anything, didn't do anything to justify You're those right, reactions. That, that one right. scene with the boxer kid, Where you know. Like, say hi to your mother for me. But there you was nothing. When we see those there, real man. testimonials, real footage at the end on what he did for the community stuff, you, you didn't get any of that. No. Oh, wait, he let them do a, a Italian celebration in the streets, and he told the cops to fuck off. 
Those guys. Oh, I don't know. Five minutes after the kid, the you do the kid gangster scene where the kid, uh, the boxer was like, "Yeah, they shut my gym down. I have no place to work out." And you know, Gotti is like, no, "Don't worry about it. It'll be open." Maybe three scenes later, have the owner oh. of the guy come in. Oh, thank you so much, Gotti. Thank you so much. Follow up I mean, on that. Yeah, I mean, just yeah. show why this guy was revered. We didn't get any of that. We no. didn't get any of the celebrity. We didn't get any of why people loved him the way they did. We didn't get. I would have loved a scene with him and his wife where she's got the People Magazine thing on the... Like, they talk about it. Like, they talk about what his celebrity is doing, you know, to the fan. Nothing. We didn't get any kind of glimpse into his personal life. And how did he deal with the the celebrity? How did... Did he like it? Did he promote it? Did he... No. From all accounts, in real accounts, he liked it. He liked the limelight. Yeah. He liked, and that's what drove you know the the other families crazy. But we didn't get any of that in this man. No. It's like this guy never. Well, obviously, he never directed a movie before, but it's like he didn't. Even he couldn't tell a story. Know how to tell he could, a story. He couldn't tell the story. It was just bottom line. Sorry, Which dude. sucks because you know what Travolta worked his ass off in this thing, and you could have told a really interesting story with Travolta first five minutes I was like this thing with Travolta is gonna suck it's John Travolta with a wig this is gonna be bad by the end of it I was like you know what that two hours actually went by pretty fast it sucked and it missed a lot of opportunities but the only thing that kept me going was Travolta there was some things in there I mean there was some things in there Please don't ask me to what those things were, because I didn't write those down in my notes. <laughs> well, I mentioned uh, Mike, the cigar hustler, earlier. You know who else hustles better than anybody else in the business, boys? Who that? Our friends over at Drew Estate. I want to mention their Herrera Steli Miami line once more before we bounce. The Herrera Steli Miami is crafted by Level 9 Rollers from Cuba at the El Titan de Bronze in Little Havana, Miami, and it's expertly crafted with a lavish... Lavish? Lavish. Lavish. Ecuadorian Habano Oscuro wrapper over a rich Ecuadorian Sumatra binder with select fillers from the Dominican Republic and Nicaragua. The new look of Herrera Steli Miami features a black and gold color tone. You can't miss it on the shelf. It looks sharp. It does. And it's only available to Drew Diplomat retailers in five now. Five, not just the one Vitola. It's smooth. It's tasty. I've had it. You'll like it. Go grab one. You'll thank me later. Oh, yeah. All right. We shit on this movie. Hardcore. All in. Dude. My yeah. God. Oh. Let's say some positive things. I can't wait to see what this is. Despite the time jumps, I thought they did a nice job of showing Gotti's growing uh, vicious disdain for his boss, Paul Castellano, and his true affection for Paul's underboss, Neil De La Croce, Stacy Keach. Keach, yes. yeah. When Neil dies of cancer, it's the only thing holding Gotti back from making his move on the boss of the family. Who he, he we see that he never respected the guy from day one. Yeah. Neil has told him before, uh, before he died, as he was suffering from cancer, how to get the support of all five boroughs, how to get the approval of the other crime families to take out Castellano and assume the top spot. There was a quick scene we learned at a dinner party between John and his wife, Victoria. Very vague, where they said they had fucked up childhoods and shitty parents. 
which that kind of made me believe why he saw Neil Stacy Keach as a father figure. Yeah. Um, I I like that relationship with him as much as I didn't believe Stacy Keach as a as a concierge. I did see him the relationship between Gotti and him. I, I like that, and I thought they did a good job of building up to him. You know, knocking out his own that his was, own boss. That was the only relationship that I really felt was natural through the. And entire a lot of that movie. was honestly just Travolta and Keach being grade A actors, bringing yeah. bringing their grade A stuff. Right. Yeah. Keach was. I'm sorry, I shit on him earlier because he's not Italian. I'm sorry, you're not Italian. You're not in the mafia, and that's what the Sopranos did so good. Every actor in there was, you know, for the most part. I don't know about Robert Loggia. But <laughs> but for the most part, when I saw those guys on The Sopranos, I thought those were Italians. Yeah, I'm sorry, I see Stacy Keach. I'm not thinking Italian. But he and Travolta sold that relationship. I I, I like that. I to me, you don't have to be Italian to play in a mom movie. Just you got to make me think that. You gotta make. I mean, if if you're not Italian, then at least let the movie settings, the themes, the whole the movie. When I saw Stacy Keach, I kept seeing Cody's dad. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> he looked like Howard. He did. Well, we I often, didn't see that, but you know, hey, I'll think take it about, as a compliment. We often think about Howard as the Czech mafia. I mean, we, like, do. Yeah, well. we do. We <laughs> do. Give um, me your clove of snickies. So the, I mean I I did appreciate that relationship. <laughs> Leave the shotgun. Take the clove sticky. I did appreciate that relationship in the thing. There's some scenes where they're driving around with Leo Rossi of Halloween Toon fame driving the car. <sighs> oh my God! I know people age. He aged. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, but that's the thing. His neck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, yeah. it stayed the same, but his face. Just, his face just kind of bloated. Is. Uh, but the funny thing was is that I loved him. I mean, when he was in the scene, he chewed it up. He was okay. I liked it. Well, he, he didn't have a large. I mean, no, he, he got some good scenes. He's a screenwriter, so he got some. He got some good screen time. Um, I will say this: they nonsensically set a car bomb scene to the Pet Shop Boys West End girls. Okay, at least they were time relevant. There. Which I know you two yes. fruit flies probably appreciated. Yes, I, when they started playing some 80s music, I'm like, okay, we're in the 80s. Well, and I, I weirdly, wish they would have done the Pet Shop Boys because that didn't really fit there. It, but like I said, I was so thankful that they chose an 80s song that it, I, was, that, I gave man, it a pass. I guess. And I weirdly appreciate the scene set to Duran Duran's Come Undone, where bad <laughs> actor John Jr. defended his dad in prison until it was time to face the music himself. And he was like, oh, yeah, Good music. I like these two tracks, but they made no sense in these scenes. No. Yeah. I, other than other than like a timestamp, like it was, oh, I know where no, I am. It, yeah. it was it was yeah. a it, yeah. it, it was a, a a director who was like, you know what? I'm gonna be edgy. I'm gonna put Pet Shop Boys in here. Okay. It made no sense. It really didn't. It really didn't. And I like those songs, but it, they, none of them made but, any sense. It's songs that don't, but it doesn't fit the genre. It didn't fit the genre and it didn't fit the scene. It, both, but I'm just like you know, I it was wish, terrible music choices. But at, at, least, if, at, at least, like Cody was saying, it, at least it time stamped you. At least you were like, oh, 80s. I don't think the Come Undone song was even in the right. Oh, wasn't it? I don't it wasn't. Think so I don't think it was in the right era. 
And I'm sorry, if I'm going to see Leo Rossi get blown up in a car bomb, I don't want to hear Duran Duran's come undone. It might be a cool, kitschy kind of thing, but no, it's not. Man, just just stick with what works, man. Throw me some Pagliacci in there. I, man, I, I'll say one other thing, and then I'll I'll open it up to you guys. What I what I did somewhat like about this. Travolta captures Gotti's pure love for his family, his kids, and his wife, Victoria, who's played by his real wife, Kelly Preston, who still looks really good. Yeah, she's yeah. aged really well. Yeah. Those scenes where she's in bed, depressed about the the death of their young son, I it dawned on me, Travolta and her yeah. lost a young son. Yes. Oh, wow. You know that's got to be hard. So I'm sure she probably dug. She did really good. And I, she was one of the, the, I thought she really did good in this. Um, she didn't great, but I mean, I, I I thought she, but God, she just aged well. She looks great. I don't know. The last thing I saw them in together was Battlefield Earth, and that just <laughs> last thing oh. I saw her in was maybe Twins. <laughs> Which, but yeah. again, Damn, that's different. That that was yeah. good. Again, yes, the actors sold. I'm going to give all credit here. That they I'm going to give all credit in those scenes with the family to Travolta, though. Despite the editorial misstep of showing us the real Gotti in the opening and closing credits, I thought Travolta rises above that and really works his ass off to make the character his own. And I mean that. I could see that motherfucker working in every scene to be Gotti. Yeah. He didn't half-ass this. He didn't show up on set and be like, All right, here. Put put the the wig on. I'm ready here. Let's Let's do this. I know what no, my fans want. No, he worked. I could tell he cared, and he was trying to rise above a shit script and a useless director. I give everything to to Travolta as far as what works here. By the time we got to an hour and fifteen minutes in, uh, it was nineteen ninety. John Junior's wedding. Yeah. I couldn't believe it, but I was on board with Travolta's Gotti. I thought he was Gotti. I was. He st- got. I- it was close. Yeah. Which in that opening scene, I never thought I would get there. Yeah, you're right. The opening scene, he was like 10% gaudy. This is my city here. By the time you get to it the wedding... You could be dead or in jail. I did both here. It's crazy. I'll, it's weird. I'll give, I'll give him 80% gaudy. I'm so glad they didn't do that talking to the camera shit oh, God. the whole movie. And I'm normally and I'm normally not opposed to that, but you had so many different styles, and that was the only two times that you used it into the entire movie. It just didn't work. Get it out I, of there. If they had just cut that scene out and just did like a... Like a voiceover a, to all the you. other stuff. voiceover. Just, you know, him... And don't show the real Gotti at all in this thing. Well, well and then at the end, they finally like, oh, wait. They could have showed... the People Magazine, we shouldn't show what... So they put Travolta on the cover of, jo- of the People Magazine? It's too late. You've already shown us, John. Well, you know, I think if face. they... You know, it's, one it's of, all over the place. Once it's again, a, I think they should have saved quarter, the archival footage for the end of the movie. Yes. For the wrap-up. Yes. yes. But yes. I, you know, all it, at the end. All at the end. Save it, it just for occurred that to me that procession I, and then bring it all home. I think it would have worked a lot better had they basically, like I said, they, they had done... Just with the prison scene of Gotti talking to his son right. about his decision. Every time that they that every time Travolta beat the rap, they cut to real media footage of Gotti leaving the courthouse, and they didn't show his face, but they still showed the back of his head, which looked nothing, nothing like, like Travolta. <laughs> it just took me out of it. It, it was, did. It was every terrible. Time. Every I time. wish every time. You know, I said, it, it, like I said, the, the the flashbacks in conjunction with the storytelling. I just wish they would have made it relevant, like with 
it's basically this is a conversation between him and his son, and they're just doing these flashbacks. But they didn't do it that way. I did love that scene where uh, his son comes home from... And, uh, and honestly, the son was really at his worst in those prison scenes. Right. Yeah. When he had his other little small scenes, he wasn't so I bad. It, yeah, I thought he was okay in those. He was just so awkward and terrible in those prison but scenes. But I, I think that that was literally because it was a terrible scene written, and it was a terrible scene directed. directed. And you don't have... I'm not going to say he's a bad actor. I'm going to say that he's a young actor. He's a young actor, and he... But, but dude, Travolta ages... From black-haired wig Travolta to bald dying Travolta, all they did for this other kid to age that same span of time was put glasses on him. Yeah, yeah. He looked the same at twenty as he did at fifty. Yeah, yeah, he did. They, I was like makeup wise, but that they scene where he's like slapping the color? shit out of his kid, well, you know, they for showed the kicked kid. out of the military academy and stuff. I love those little family scenes. Well, they show him and he's like they're doing that whole prison walkthrough thing at the end, and then all of a sudden they cut over to his footage and he's got curly hair, he's gray. <laughs> I'm like, wait, don't <laughs> show me the real. You just showed him and he was like 25 and he's buff and he's young. Like, don't show me that. Why would you do that? I tut. Real quick, cigar. Uh, yeah, it's it's really really spot on. Like I said, it's just it's still that silky lushness that's just silky nice. lushness. It's silky got a, it's to me it's got a nice little morning coffee feel to it. It's just really kind of cool. I wish I had the cream that you guys were getting, but I'm not disappointed at all with what I'm not. I saw where somewhere uh, in the press release Steve had mentioned notes of loam. L O A M. What is that? Loam? Yeah. No I'm assuming clue. that's... Uh, I've never had loam. <coughs> earth. That's your earthiness? Yes. Oh, man, my mic's messing up. Go ahead. All right. Well, um, I, I don't know loam, but I do know it is earthy. Very. Uh, yeah. Especially in the last third, the earthiness has come up. It picks up. Um, I'm still full-blown uh, French roast coffee. Yes. Full-blown cream on the retro hill. I've got no spice, which is refreshing in this day where every cigar we get is just spice bomb. spice bomb out the nose. No, creaminess out the nose. Um, I'm even getting a little um, Ritz cracker. Get out of here. I'm getting Ritz cracker. You know, it's weird because I, I kind of feel guilty because I'm one of those guys that I, I kind of like that spice bomb. I, I like that nice little spice and pepper and just... I like the the blood of Nicaragua. Sure. So I kind of feel guilty, like, you know... Uh, you know, being a voice that pushes cigar manufacturers that way, you know, to, to make stuff up to that palate, but... Uh, I don't know. I appreciate the lack of it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I can... I, I, I can't remember the last time we had a cigar on the show where we didn't mention spice. Um, and it's not bothering me. Oh no, I'm I, I'm all I'm all on board. Uh, earth coffee, uh, a, a little bit of chocolate on the draw, but the the, the retro hail is the king here, man. Yes. It's just so creamy and just so smooth. Like you said, silky. What'd you say, silky? Silky lushness. Lushness. I'll, I'll give you that. It's got a great presence to it. I mean, it's just... I'll give you this. It's a great cigar in terms of uh, I'm big, I'm a production big, and construction. I'm a big guy on uniqueness. That's what, that's need a beer. 
what I love about what we do is, you know, there's nothing else like it. Yeah. I can't compare this cigar to anything. It yeah, it'd be very hard for me too. I I haven't had a cigar like this in a long time. Uh, it's unique, and I like uniqueness. I want to smoke another one. I'm really sad I don't have another one. That's what I, I mean. That's the funny thing is that you know, coming into this and it was all you know cream, 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 and I'm like ah shit. You know what I don't get? Cream. And so I was like, well crap. I mean, but you get silky luscious. How do I feel about this? Well, I, what the way I feel about it is that I would buy it. Oh yeah. I guess we should talk about price point. Okay. We have to. Yeah, well, all right. Tut, you first. No, uh, Cody, you first. Me first. Hmm. Hmm. Given everything. You heard about the melons and the extra Touching. cost. Trimming the leaves until there's just the succulent, luscious leaves left to uh, produce a cigar. I'm going to go 12. Okay. Well, the funny thing about Steve is that he's not bashful about this is what it costs me to make the cigar. This is what it's going to cost you to yeah. buy it. You smoke enough knock tamales and moistures. You know you're going to pay... Uh, and gladly. And the unicorn, which maybe we'll have <laughs> the experience someday. It's a $100 cigar. We Could happen. Uh, I will go fourteen. Fourteen fifty. Fourteen fifty. Would you say twelve? Twelve. Twelve even. Seventeen forty-five. Seventeen forty-five. Okay. My only drawback to that price point, honestly, is how fast it smoked. I blaze through this thing, and I'm not a fast smoker. I'm smoking faster than you, and that's not usually the case. I mean, it's burning fast for me. It's uh, granted, construction's been perfect. Yeah, uh, the flavors have not, and I'm I'm down to the final inch, and it's not hot. I'm gonna still keep smoking. Well, I'm, this. I'm wondering, you know, how we mentioned, you know, in the beginning, it just didn't seem very oily at all or anything like that. I wonder if that has something to do with how fast it's burning. I don't know. I mean, that's just a construction issue. Yeah. Um, man, I, I like the uniqueness of it. We, we, we smoked a lot of cigars this year on and off the show, and I I can't think of another one that kind of gave me this, this I think that would probably be my biggest attractor at this point. I mean, I'm still behind y'all, but it's still fast for us. And I think that probably, you know, at that price point, knowing that it's gonna it can burn that fast... Yeah, but here's, and I'm going to be kind of, sorry, Steve, I'm going to be inconsistent. I actually could see myself paying 17 for this, no, simply no. because it is so unique. and It, it is. It's it a very unique profile. You know, he made a very good point about sometimes you do things for the experience, and this is to me this is a nice experience cigar. This isn't a cigar that on my budget I could afford all the time. But it is something to where I'm like, you know what? 
I kind of want to be seen smoking this, and I know that this is just an out there stuff. <coughs> I've come to terms with the fact that I am a redneck hipster. I I might not wear the skinny jeans and you know have the cool little twirled mustache, but I like things that are a bit obscure, that are a bit off the off the beaten path. And to me, this is an off the beaten path cigar. Uh, I don't know whether people are going to rank this because you know they they truly value for what it is, but I'm going to rank it because I enjoy what I think in my mind it brings me. I really don't want this cigar to end, and I think that says, yeah. Uh, <laughs> do you guys like anything else about this movie? Touch that it. Did we miss anything in your notes? No, pretty much. I just... A lot of potential. I thought it was a whole swing and a miss. You had this great... And we love mob stuff. You have this like we love, great, yes. great character but what that this you movie, totally missed off. This movie, what on. it made me realize is just how much artistry and craft went into The Sopranos. And... You know, maybe the not only the Sopranos, but like the Goodfellas, the Scorsese movies, like uh, one thing, and like the the authenticity and like the, the the small things that added up into creating these these genuine you know worlds, underworlds, right? And this guy just didn't know how to. There, you you had it. okay. There was so many times where you talked about the closeness of the family and how. You know, character. This character was a good childhood friend of Gotti's, and this character was the best friend. Who I was like, wait, what? I didn't even know who that guy was the entire movie. There was no scenes where Ray Liotta and De Niro from Goodfellas are just laughing their balls off at a table, just enjoying company and enjoying life and living large and large characters. There was no over the topness. There was nothing that even resembled a relationship. What is key to Goodfellas and what is key to Sopranos, I always thought, was these guys go through such scrutiny in their finances and and with the law. You have to show why they would be willing to put themselves in this world. You got to show the good times. Mm-hmm. You got to show like <laughs> this movie just showed the 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 stress of it and if, the, if and, the, and the legal you- battles. Like nobody would go through that if there weren't the the I mean that now granted Sopranos is eight seasons you've got so many moments right with, exactly with Tony you know unzipping his pants in Vegas with whores and 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 plopping down you know thousand dollar meal those are the the things that make what they do the reward you know we live like kings. We live well beyond we ever would in another lifestyle, and it's worth it for the occasional legal... But this movie was all about the legal stuff, and it was like, why would you ever subject yourself to this lifestyle? Everyone's snitching on you. Everyone's... it. All they showed was the stress and the drama. Yeah. And like you said, they... <sighs> I almost thought that this was financed by Gotti Jr., uh... He, I, I thought from what was, I under, from what I understood, they had the full cooperation of the Gotti family. Uh, Travolta even did some interviews where he said he wore Gotti's actual cufflinks, and it was important to him to wear like 
you know, the the same clothes that actual Gotti wore. They they were all on board with this, it, it, which it, makes sense. I mean, there's the emphasis on the family, and now, despite how he was, it was always in this movie, picture perfect family man with the wife and with the kids. I just like they the little last ditch effort at the very end to show how the government kind of was going after him for a while or going after not only Gotti but Gotti Jr. Uh, you know all the district attorneys that lined up against him and all the man hours that that were put in to try uh, to uh, bring in Gotti Jr. Uh, to trial it was almost like a you know Gotti Jr. overcome so much adversity. I, I just I could really see this almost being a propaganda piece for Gotti Jr. Probably, maybe. More well, that's so kind of what I was expecting and, more so with this whole conversation in prison between him and the son sitting at the table. I thought that was kind of going to be the arc. Yeah, and I and also him explaining. But I also thought you know, he's getting these, these flashbacks. Because, I, I mean, in the beginning, he tells his son, you know, th- you know, I could have robbed whatever, and I could have had it sticking out my ass, and I would have still said no. Right. And I would like, I thought that was going to kind of be the thing here in this overall thing, and it, they missed it. That's, I felt like there was this great... They missed it, too. And I also thought that the... Remember, at least I did remember, when Gotti was going on, he had that bull attorney, the, the crew-cut guy, the, like... I thought he would be a main kitten. No, he he wasn't represented at all. Like the courtroom scenes had no drama. Yeah, yeah. It was just so. It was a bad written story. And I thought the guy playing John Junior just kind of sunk it. It's like not his fault, maybe because the director was so bad. But it was just like I'll give him a. I'll the, give the him the a pass scenes, on the everything except for the prison scenes. The prison scenes were so they needed bad. to get. They, were, they needed they to get. Were. Different actors but then, to portray the different ages, time periods. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, you know what? You got the same guy playing John Junior at sixteen and at forty, right? And all you did was put a pair of glasses on him. And you maybe can't, like, and you put your some age shoulder progress, pads, in and that's suit. what I'm saying. In terms of just like a, a that's what, that's why I'm I'm picturing Gotti going. Kid looks good. Looks just like me. Looks just like I did. Just just like I did when I got out at forty. But you she's clearly, clearly sh- twenty. You clearly <laughs> just showed him. But then looks- we show you, and you look nothing like him. Yeah, but you see that El Camino with the flowers. And that's like oh! it's been thirty years. He's aged two. <laughs> that's another thing. Is that all right? God, it was so horribly written. Okay, so you have on one hand, Gotti slapping the ever living crap out of his son. For getting in the fight and basically killing a kid is yeah. what we learned, and then a few more minutes down the road, you've got him hugging him as no, no, he no. takes. How dare you blow your shot at? Because he's going to uh, what was the West Point. Mi- West Point. You're fucking up. You're giving up everything. But then, like Tut said, ten minutes later, he's kissing him on the cheek when he joins the family. I'm so proud of you. I'm so I'm proud never of you. Been, I've never been proud more proud of you in my life. So, so weird here. I, see, to me, to me, that's a great dynamic to explore. Like, but they most, didn't. Like, like a lot of times in a lot of these stories, you always have the I never wanted, I never wanted this life for you, kid. Why you made did it you, seem why did so you follow, great, though. Why did you follow me into <laughs> it this footstep? Seem great at all. And yet, Gotti was like, I mean, according to this, Gotti was like, I've never been so proud of you for accepting my life. Explore that for the love of yeah. God. 
And the John Jr. was like a mob captain for years, and then at the end when he gets busted, the mom's like, you swore to me John Jr. would never... He's clearly been in the mafia for like <laughs> 10 years at this point. What do you mean, think he was doing? If he was pretending to wake up and go to, like, I gotta go off to my accounting job now, I'll see you later. There, there was that There was that one scene where after Gotti's in jail and everything, and uh, you have some old school mobsters in their Cadillac, and Junior comes up in his tracksuit with his friends, it gets all up in their faces, like, this is how it's going to go, because my father said so. Mm-hmm. You gave me nothing that would cred- that would lend him credibility. Because the old school guys, like, right. yeah, the old school guys just kind of nodded, respect, kid, and get back. I mean, they did without saying a word. They get back into their car and leave. No, that's not how that scene would go down unless there was something that made got him really credible. Yeah, I just. None of this sold. You're a horror. It's a horrible story. A horrible written story. Horrible directed story. Horrible I'm gonna, told story. I, I'm going to on put, one of the most fascinating mob characters that we've yes. seen in 30 years. And you could have told it with Travolta, and it would have been epic. Could, well, it's fascinating. He ain't worked his ass it's off. Fascinating he, he, because it is. A I, tr- I, I tried my best, man. It was I did, so weird. I, I did what I was told. He is so weird. He is crazy. Well, I mean, you are living. <laughs> I was, I it was is a. Mob it was a living, the, breathing. Real mobster. This isn't a Corleone. This isn't a Soprano. This was a right. real life. You had American mobster. You had a. You had real life, true source material to work with. Yes. The story wrote itself. Yes. You had to portray it, and these guys that invented characters made that more credible. I believe Vito Corleone is a more of a mobster than Gotti yes. from this movie. And that's sad. I mean, that is really sad. Hey, I told you guys to wear turtlenecks tonight. What happened? They don't sell turtlenecks anymore. <laughs> it's it's the end of 2018. There are no turtlenecks. All right. Well, let me try to sum up here. We had a very unique cigar here tonight. Uh, I want to thank Steve for introducing it. Of course, TNCC style, his introduction took an hour. But we got there, and, uh, man, it was a very unique cigar. I... I I'll say this: No other cigar this year have I wanted to light up another one immediately, and I don't have one, so that that sucks. Um, and I don't want one of the smaller ring gauges. Like I think I want the bigger ring, the one that's bigger than this. But I want more of that cream. I would. I, well, I want to really try the smaller ring the smaller gauge. Smaller, I want to. I want to taste that difference. I mean, he did describe it as being that, even though they're. Similar, they're different. No, yeah. I want I want to try that. I do I want to get into that seven by forty four. Well, the 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 cool thing we do before we put together our, our best of the year list, we try to revisit as many of the cigars we can. So I'll, I'll try in the next what six days. I'll try to uh, tomorrow. Get, uh, <laughs> I'll try to uh, acquire us some more of these. Hey, you know what? You can go to the Tuesday Night Cigar Club dot com. Go to the famous smoke shop, hit that, and then uh, get you some. I will try to get us more of these. Uh, we will be reconvening in the corner of No Hope to smoke a lot of the previous cigars uh, that we featured this year coming up with our list. Uh, the rankings are what they are, but we do like to go back and revisit and tweak, and there's a bit of debate that goes on. We take our end-of-the-year list very seriously. But we also have one more show to do. Yes, 
uh, next week, we'll have the doctor in attendance. All right. And we will do our annual Christmas episode, which, of course, means an Anna Cole Smith movie. (sighs) Don't, Don't get... Too depressed after this year. She's dead. She didn't make any more. This is it. Uh, <laughs> it's it's I, over. I, I almost most, said thank goodness. Most happy and sad. Like an asshole it's for a, saying that. Oh. oh. Um. So uh, we got a lot of work to do over the next week or so. Uh, even when you don't hear from us, we're working. We're working. Uh, the beer, man. Eh. It's all right. It works if you don't want it to conflict with. Anything. If you want to just drink a beer and you don't even realize you're drinking a beer. The beer of Moretti. Beer of Moretti. It is beer, oh! right? Oh! I'm over here uh, stirring my sauce. Oh, uh, uh, what are you sitting on my beer? <laughs> not sitting on your beer. Again, we have no problem with the beer of Moretti. We have no problem with La Cosa Nostra. <laughs> We're big fans. Uh, and I'm a big fan of that cigar. It was so different. I, I, I just. Yeah, I just wish I had another one, which is high praise. Tut links. All right, follow us on at TNCCCast on Twitter. Subscribe to us on YouTube, Tuesday Night Cigar Club. Join the Facebook It's a lot of people subscribing to us on YouTube lately. I know. I was like, oh, look at that. Uh, You know, and then uh, hit us up on Instagram at TNCC underscore cast. And maybe, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Just search Tuesday Night Cigar Club. I posted some pictures there. of some dicks on there the other day. <laughs> Can't believe that bag of dicks is still there, man. Hey, remember back in episode 29 when I talked about eating a bag of dicks in Ohio? That bag of dicks is still there. Did you not finish all the bag of dicks? Well, I apparently I left a few. And then I was like, oh, and look, there's a little ass in there, too. And my cousin was quick to point out, that's not an ass. That was where you bit off the dick. It's just balls. It was just... It was balls. <laughs> I love my family. On that note, if you've got Christmas shopping, go to the website. Hit yes. the Amazon link there. And then do your shopping from there. We get a little bit of kickback from Amazon. Costs you nothing to do. Nothing at all. But you don't have to buy a bag of dicks. You don't have to buy a bag of <laughs> I mean, you can if you want to. If you, you want can to. if you want to, huh? Hey! Oh! Bag of dicks! Yeah! Hey, hey, hey. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, this was a different show, but I'm, I'm glad Steve joined us, and I'm glad we just breezed through this piece of shit. Uh, not Mr. Gotti himself. Uh, yeah. I want to... No. no. We just have, this film. Yes. The way it was done, this. the way it was told. We have respect for the Gotti family, for La Cosa Nostra, uh, the Gambino family, and every, everyone else. We Peace and love. Peace and love. Ray X? I got it. I'm full of it. You're full of something. Yeah, I know. Um, so we got one more show to end of the year. We've got a lot of smoking to figure out our end of the year cigar list. I want to thank once again uh, the one and only Steve Saka. He's generous to give us his time. He's a legend, and uh, he always holds a special place in my heart because he seems to kind of like us. Did you guys get that impression? Sure. You don't have to <laughs> devote a show to that. Yeah. I'd ask him, but he just skims through it. So <laughs> Alright, folks. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll see you in a week, and uh, then we'll see you with a, a big end of the year list. Buy our shit. Thanks for liking us. We'll see you next time. Sayonara, motherfuckers.
To learn more about the time I went deep undercover into the New Jersey Mafia and almost brought them to their knees, almost, read my titillating tele-autobiography, My Life on the Edge of Darkness, by Matt the Soup Spoon Cade. My Mafia brothers nicknamed me the Soup Spoon because I ate a lot of soup. Chili, chicken noodle, potato soup, you name it and I was eating it. But I didn't care for pasta pizzool or zuppa toscana and ultimately that's what tipped them off that I was a filthy rat. Fuck you, Morristown Olive Garden. Fuck you to hell. Ah, forget about it. And in the meantime, to learn more about the cigars and other libations enjoyed on tonight's episode, you can visit DunbartonCigars.com and BeerAmoretti.com. For more on O'Brien's Irish Pub, the live music leader in Central Texas, please visit O'BrienSimple.com and download their free smartphone app, where you'll find full beer listings including over 40 on tap, menu information, and a calendar of upcoming live events. To listen and purchase music heard on tonight's program, check out www.fritzbeermusic.com. Thank you for listening to the Tuesday Night Cigar Club Podcast. This is Keith A. Howell saying, until next time, friends, unless we see you sooner at the pub. So keep it smoky, and for God's sake, keep it ballsy as well.